This wasteland is dead except for the precious gasoline you hold. Give it up. Just walk away and your lives will be spared. Just walk away before it's too late to save anything. Just walk away. I have to admit, if we fight, we die. I'm in favor of not dying. No way. Our gasoline is what lets us keep on the move. Without it, we're stuck in Cleveland with no hope. So, what's the plan then? Drive off and hope they go blind and deaf long enough for us to escape? That happened once, but I don't think we can count on another. <laughs> you want to get out of here? You can talk to me. I know how to pull some avatars out of you James Cameron won't touch. They'll get you where you need to go. What's the catch? Is it that you drive a 50s muscle car so you'll use up our gas by next week? Nothing like that. I'll have you know my cars run on alcohol. It's just one of your avatars is my kind of woman. Can't ask her out if you keep her hidden like that. I'm very disappointed that you choose to die like dogs. The wasteland needs more carrion, and you shall provide it. Didn't you know that Cleveland rocks? My avatar is Dina Turner, and nothing you can do is scary to her. She's powered by big farts. Uh-oh. That avatar is so good that James Cameron wants it after all? Wait, you're willing to pay us whatever it takes? Cool. I'll hold out for a hundred million and buy a new avatar of my own. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. Three, two, one! RPGs from the 1980s right up through yesteryear. Brought to you by the staff of RPGamer.com, we tackle the good, the bad, and the ugly games from nearly 30 years of RPG history. So sit down and hold on tight. Your next adventure is about to begin. Here are the hosts of RPG Backtrack, Phil Willis and Mike Minky. Welcome to RPG Backtrack. This is number 82, The Devil Rides It Out. We are talking about Shin Megami Tensei Devil, Digital Devil Saga 1 and 2 this evening. And to help me do that is my good friend and co-host Mike Mickey, who stepped out for just a minute. So we're going to move on to Sam Marshmallow. Hello. How's it going, Miss Marshmallow? I'm doing okay. How are you? Okay, Doug. Heard you getting a little rain. <laughs> Little rain. Someone paying you a visit up there, sir? Tropical storm, hurricane, whatever the heck it's called. Oh, you mean that chick from Greece? Yeah. Isn't she cute? <laughs> that lovely Sandra D. Everybody wish she was just a little teeny tiny low pressure. Area. Now she's now she's all grown up, causing people problems. They grow up so fast these days. Ah, and let's see here. And I think uh, somewhere hiding in the shadows, we have the new. The, pro- the improved Michael Mini-Apps. That's right. Brand new. Brand new and smaller. Big, 
Big new, bigger screen or smaller screen, depending. Well, I mean, I can fit you in my pocket now and still call you, an, you know, an iPad. What's up with that? And all of my my Michael iPad apps work on my mini iPad. How awesome is that? It's pretty cool. Yeah, and for everyone the low, loves apps. For the low price of what, three fifty to six hundred bucks or something like that? <laughs> Yay! Yeah, you know, you know, these things aren't cheap to make. I'm telling you, you gotta pay for quality. You gotta pay for all those little kids to build them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, and speaking of little kids. Or maybe not. Mr. Manny. What is it? What's your last name? Where's your real... I'm supposed to say your full name on here. That's what they tell me. Well, did this show actually start? Yeah, like... <laughs> what? what? Oh, okay, I'm kicking you off. What, what's your name again? I don't even know your name. What I mean, are you Emmanuel doing Marino, here? Hi. Emmanuel Marino. All right, there you go. All right. So I wasn't even here for a minute. Did, did we not... Did our intro? Did we do that? Whoa! Already breaking up there, Manny. Yeah, we did. We did everything. Oh, in fact, man, the show's I even though. I the sound show's like the worst Aussie. The show's almost over. In fact. Oh, I'm the worst Aussie. I'm sneezing and I'm half dead. That was a rehearsal. But yes, hi, I'm Emmanuel Marino. No bad jokes about Apple over here. Just, no, just for apps. Just a dude. Aww. Just a dude just blowing his nose. No, but 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 you know what the the I can say that the the iPad is so easy to use. We don't need a manual. To learn how to run it. There you go. Everything that is a horrible pun, and you should be shot. <laughs> and there is a manual. It's in the bookmark settings under Safari. Every everything comes back to to the iPad. It's awesome. God, he needs to go to pun hell right now. Just just so you know. Hey, Yay. I think there's an app for that. <laughs> what and, pun hell? Is there an app for getting the show on the road? No, there isn't. Yes. But check it out. It is the, my iPad is as sweet as a marshmallow. Whoa, I got Sam in there. Yes. Oh, it's so good. <sighs> Sometimes I kill myself. Not literally, and of me. course. Yeah, <laughs> not you. Uh, okay, you so know, I find weird. There's like 20 different iPad jokes, but not a single Halloween one. Halloween. Uh, I don't know. I've never been big into holidays, so. Uh, but the iPad, I'm big into that, man. It goes where I go. So anyway, it's a spooky Halloween Eve, and we're sitting here talking, doing, still introducing people. We're gonna, we're gonna, what's gonna happen? It's gonna go on. We're gonna talk. Wait, about... doesn't that mean we're supposed to be out egging houses and whatnot? No, we're supposed to be inside playing games, playing games about digital devils. I think I'm gonna just dress up as like uh, Marshall Bravestar for for tomorrow, and just go and go trick or treating with the kids. I don't. Think... I want to dress up like various Hindu deities. Yeah, that's awesome. Whew. I call I call toothy tits. Well, we can talk about something kind of scary and talking about <laughs> Digital Devil Saga. And we're going to do that after we listen to this really sweet musical selection. So we're ready to talk about 
Shin Megami Tensei Digital Devil Saga. This is developed and published by Atlas. This is a gorgeous, beautiful, single-player, role-playing game experience for your Sony PlayStation 2 home entertainment system. Released in North America on April the 5th, 2005. This comes to you on one pretty shiny DVD. Oh, oh, quick question then. Does that mean that this is part one of two separate podcasts? Mm, nope. nope. We're doing it together. Nope. That's right. We're oh, just because it, there's two releases then. You know, if we can if we can slam like the entire Zelda series into one podcast, dang it, we can get two Shimigami Tensei right, games right, in. Right. So the first one came out what uh, when and the, when the second one come out? Just to refresh my own memory. Well, we don't talk about the second one yet. That's you're you're getting ahead. Ah, oh, you say we're talking about them as a whole experience. No, no, we we talk about the Which first one first. Phil, Manny has a point. Did we talk about the second better one? that we do talk about it as a whole experience because that's what it is. We don't do yeah, that with any of the other games. We don't even it, do maybe, that. But but it, some of us some of us haven't gotten to two yet. <gasps> oh, spoilers! All right. Terrible. Show. You're on the show and you haven't gotten to two yet. No, I've played most of one. I plan no, to have been well into two by now, but I was distracted oh, by certain oh, Michael, games. Michael, get off this Certain right games! Now. Yeah, Michael, <laughs> get the PS2, and go play Finish 1, then go play 2, then come back. Yeah, I, I know I, I know. it sounds like we're joking. It's so good. I mean, the, the, the Digital Double Falcon 1 oh, I know is it's good. I've, I've... It's essentially the prologue for 2. I mean, all like 90% of the story happens in 2. So. Well, that's well, really well, encouraging, because I really love 1. This well, one is then. just this nice. Ex- it's a lot of exposition, but it's really good exposition. So you're more forgiving yeah. to the fact that the plot hasn't really developed. It's all character development. It's all you getting attached to these who these people are. So that when all the story happens in two, it hits you. So oh, really, awesome. we just need to stop recording now, so Mike <laughs> can go and do that. And this just be this just became the shortest. RPG backtrack like ever at well, seven minutes. Thanks for minutes. having me on the show. I really it was, appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, Manny. Um, we appreciate you, you showing up. It, it was great having you on. It's been a while. Appreciate, thanks. Yeah, Sam. Great to talk to you as always, Mike. <laughs> keep loving those weird games. No, we we digress, but <laughs> oh, fine. So, Digital Devil Saga Two. Uh, it was developed and published by Atlas, and this was uh, released here in North America on October 3rd, 2005, which was a whopping like six months, if that long, uh, oh, from the first fantastic. one. Good. I, yeah. I, I, I didn't realize it was that short of a time period between the two. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yep. Nice. yep. And it was uh, also released on a uh, DVD, single-player RPG experience, just like the uh, first one. Now, so refresh my memory. Which one came with a double box? I mean, came with the box, so you can store them both in the same DVD, like in the DVD sleeve. They both have pretty box art, too. You all uh, should go check I out the box I want to say art. it was the first one, but I admit I bought both of mine separately. Oh, because it was pretty funny. Pretty, you bought it, sure it was the, I was just saying, when you bought it from Atlas, sure and you pre-ordered it, they gave you this big box, and it's like, you're going to want to buy the second one. Here's the placeholder. Yeah. <laughs> so, just so you know, we expect, you, we expect $60 more from you in about six months. <laughs> I know I'd seen the box before because my friend's game store, that's the only way he sells it because he gets it directly from Atlas. Uh, Apparently, Atlas still has those boxes. And you know, the funny thing is, it was pretty spoilerific <laughs> because, like, on the front side, you have Surf turning into yep. Arjuna, and then on the other side, you have this girl who's supposed to be a complete mystery turning into a female version of his demon. Serif. Yeah, there you go, Serif. No, wait, what was the name of the actual demon? Oh, anyway. Serif. <laughs> Serif. It was actually Seraph. <laughs> I, mean, I gotta check uh, this. I have. Actually, I believe it now. was Seraph. Or 
Yeah, spoiler. Varna. It's Varna. They're, sorry, Varna. And then it's the female Varna, which I don't remember what female Varna is called. And then they Varani? make a baby, and it's called Seraph. <laughs> Who cares? There's baby making Seraph. <laughs> this this game just gives me all the feels, and that's what makes it really hard to talk about because the first chapter, I, I call it a chapter, but man. And he's right. It's more of a giant prologue. Um, you know, you're transported into this god-awful desert wasteland, or I guess they call it what, a junkyard, don't they? A junkyard. Yeah. And, I mean, it's like something out of Fallout. You know, you have these characters, and when you're introduced to them, they're fighting a war against these demons, you know, with machine guns in hand, and they're just going to town because they're looking at it as... If the demons take us over, there goes our need for survival. Like, there's no reason to do what we're doing. Um, and as it progresses, they all kind of try to kind of meet halfway in terms of how they're feeling about the situation. And then Sarah and Sarah's all like, I'm really cute and kind of like amnesiatic and I don't know what I'm doing here. And what? Well, more starts out like these people were always fighting. These different tribes have always been fighting. Yeah, and all of a sudden and now they're they, weird, they, they, weirdly very unemotional. Eating people, they have to deal with. Yeah, exactly. They have to start doing like, okay, now do we fight to survive or do we, like, wait, do we fight to fight or do we fight to survive against these urges to consume everybody? And gotta love that idea of consumption because it's a really big theme in this story about you know you have these tribes wanting to consume each other. Because they know that if they don't, you know, they're not going to survive. And then that's a huge part of what, in the gameplay mechanics and the themes as well, which I think we'll get to, I guess, in a few minutes. But, you know, they can transform into demons. That's kind of what's badass about this game, is your main characters all have a demon that they can transform into. And their demon kind of reflects a little bit of their personality, but also an element that they represent. Every character's name is a play on an element. <laughs> So that kind of gives the hint as well. And I'm trying to remember, was there six main characters in the first game? Uh, five. I'm looking at the booklet right now. Yeah, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, six, including Sarah. Right, two, and that's, then, the, that's the main like leadership of the Vanguard. And then in two, we have seven because we add Roland. But then you remove Heat. But then you remove Heat, yeah. Well, we'll get that because you can actually have Heat as well. Um, if you say the right things at the right time, it's, it's, exactly. The, first it's, game. the game, the the game's not very good about telling you that. By the way, when you hit part two, you have to kind of basically say, "Do you want heat or do you want this other guy named Roland?" And to be honest, there's no difference in the two characters in terms of their powers. Um, it's just basically a who do you like more? Um, heat's kind of a jerk. Roland's kind of really super serious. Um, I like Heat. Heat He's kind of charming. Really a jerk. (laughs) Really? Heat Heat is your douchebag. (laughs) Well, the funny thing is about that. When we get Linda later, is that uh, that whole gets the the whole notion of why why Heat's a jerk gets flipped on his head, sort of. Oh yeah, and it's actually really well done too. Um, He's a character. I mean, while we're talking about characters, Seraph is not really one we can talk about more until two because he's kind of a blank slate for the most part. He's your leader of the tribe, but he's also... You don't really get to say much as him. He's just your avatar with a few like little selections every now and then. But his companion characters are probably 
what makes this game so great. So you have Heat. He represents fire. He's kind of a jerk. But he's very practical about a lot of things. As much as he's a jerk, looking for a somewhat logical solution. And then when he gets really pissed off, he just beats stuff up. Oh, I and... was <laughs> oh. Uh, Yeah, the Embryon tribe. That's the name of their tribe. Yep. I forgot that. The Embryon. Um... But, uh, well, where was it? But you, you mentioned... But one of the things is why these these characters are so big. I, I think it was such a departure from most of the other Mega Ten games. It was it was this was basically Kazuma Kaneko's Final Fantasy Ten. I mean, it's the most cinematic of all the Mega Ten games. It's the one with the most like like set characters. You have these set characters with the set story, and there's in a lot of Mega Ten games you have choices and dialogue, and you, you're you're accruing a party from different demons. And there's like there's a lot more flexibility in what's going on. But this one is basically Final Fantasy X. It's there. It's cinematic. It's got the big cutscenes. It's got a very similar to the, to the Sphere Grid sort of leveling up system where you're getting unlucky new powers for your demons. So I always thought it was interesting that that this was their take on the sort of Final Fantasy X formula. Well, it's probably the most linear of the SMT games as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, and but you know what? Linearity in this case is not a flaw. Um, mostly because this is a story that really. Um, it builds so beautifully. Like when you finish part one, you sit there and you're, you, you have to, you're taken aback. You have to think about everything that happens in the story. And then when you play part two, it's just, it's a mess, but it's the most beautiful kind of mess that you could get yourself involved in. Um, Because you want to follow these characters. You want to see their quest to the end. Because when you play part one, you learn so much about them. They grow on you. Um, and then in part two, you learn how incredibly screwed up their lives are and who they actually are. Oh, I can't wait to play two now. Oh, oh honey, that's why I said to you, why are you here? <laughs> just, just, oh, it's amazing. It is. Yeah, it is but I, I wanted, to, oh, I wanted to say that, though, this, 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 the first one is very linear. I don't want people to confuse this with, like, the linearity of Final Fantasy X. Like, you know, you, you're exploring pretty large dungeons and um, as far as character development goes I think it's a l- much more open than Final Fantasy X's system was but you can so still see how like, this was their take on it oh, that's, oh absolutely you can you can like feel the the influence of Final Fantasy X there but I would say that they actually did it much better than Final Fantasy X did in agreed in, term, in terms of pure gameplay. <laughs> no, no, refresh my memory, though. Does anyone remember? I know the Devouring People was a big part of the story. What did it do in gameplay? Did it just give you more experience points? Um, actually, it wasn't experience points. It would give you Atma points. Yeah. Atma points were essentially the fuel to the mantras that you would build. So every time you select a new mantra, you had to build Atma points to then unlock the skill. So you wanted to make sure that you were devouring people so that way... Um, like the stronger the devour, the more atma points you got, and you always wanted to make sure you wanted to devour in every battle, and you couldn't do it in boss fights, obviously. But and you couldn't do it in your human form, either. and you couldn't do it in the human form. Yeah, well, there are ways around too, thankfully. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, if you if you devoured too much, you would get a stomach ache. So you wanted to also make sure that you were kind of variating who in the party would be doing the devouring, just so that way yeah. um, it was balanced. That being said, you did have to do quite a bit of grinding, unfortunately, for Atma, just to make sure that you had 
skills that you thought were critical for whichever boss fights you were doing. Sometimes there was some easy button skills if you were willing to grind for the Atma, and sometimes you could find other ways around it. That was kind of the beautiful thing about Mantra System. There was no set skills that you had to have. You could kind of pick and choose as you wanted to. You could also change the elements of the character. So let's say, for example, you have Heat and Heat comes with all fire-based skills. Maybe you don't want him to have fire-based skills. You could totally change it up and give him something else. And it was actually kind of important that you did mix and match a lot of the elements together for a lot of the boss fights. Yeah, because like a lot of SMT games... You have to deal a lot with enemy weaknesses and strengths and stats ailments. So making sure you had a lot of varied skills is very important. Well, and just to add to that, I mean, this was the one that had the one more time system. Like that was not the same as Persona 3, but where, um, you know, whenever you hit a critical weakness, you were given another opportunity, but the enemies could do the exact same thing to you. But thankfully, it only went up to six turns, so it wasn't too bad. Whereas, you know, in Persona 3, you could probably keep that chain going if you wanted to. Um, yeah, I, I kind of like the way it's done here, though, is so that you don't have to, you know, whoever uh, activates the extra turn, you don't have to use that with that person. You can, you, you I can skip their you turn. Have to, yeah, you can skip their turn and, and it's use still it with somebody there. else. You had to be careful, though, with that, because if you skipped too much, you did eventually lose that turn. So, right, but the, um, there's, at least there's a little flexibility with that. There, there is definitely more flexibility, and the nice part is that it's actually very fair, right? Yes. I mean, there's no case where just because an enemy gets an extra turn doesn't mean you can't get one back. Um, so you never felt like you were at entirely a disadvantage, which was really nice for the most part. Um, I, I, I love the battle system in this game. I actually like it more than what I've played of Nocturne and... It's just so well balanced for the most part, and as long as you, like I said, as long as you were building your mantras, you know, you could be invincible. You just had to know yeah. obviously which ones you wanted to use, and that's where uh, this I, game also encouraged experimentation too. And so it's a nice change of pace for people that are fans of the series, not having to deal with you know all the uh, demon fusion and all that. A little bit easier, easier to handle. Um, well, not that, you know, not that you can, that, uh, you know, selecting the right mantras and all that is easy or anything, but, you know, it's just a nice change of pace for the series not to have that again. Well, that's why it's definitely a side series and not like a main one. It seems like it's pretty much going to be, I don't see, uh, Atlas returning to the Digital Devil Saga series. I'd love if they did in HD. But it just seems like it's done. They told the story they wanted to tell in these two games. Well, we really haven't kind of gone... We've, we've kind of jumped from the story to the gameplay, which, you know, there's, there is important stuff to the story aspects that also go in conjunction with the battle system. I mean, because this, this game is based on Hindu mythology, one of the other big themes of the story is finding Nirvana. And the interpretation of Nirvana that the characters have is uh, it's pretty different once they get to the end of the game, uh, the first game. Um, you also have a character in the story who's really influential to the p- plot, which is Jenna Angel. She's kind of, I don't know if you want to call her the main villain. She's definitely the main villain of the first game. In the second game, I think it's kind of debatable what her position is. But, you know, 
she sees something in Sarah that obviously the main characters don't a hundred percent get. They just see Sarah as this, this girl who needs help, but they don't understand why Sarah, why everybody wants Sarah. So they just figure, Oh, we'll protect her. It's cool. Don't worry about it. But Jenna Angel has a particular interest in Sarah. And then when you get to the second game, you find out why she has an interest in Sarah. You find out the end of the first game, but it becomes a lot more clear in the second game, and it's pretty screwed up. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, it's really, really screwed up to the point where you kind of sit there and you're just like, ow? Can I have another ow? Okay. <laughs> That's why I'm, I'm trying to avoid spoiling it for wheels, but it's very hard. I just want to Sounds tell like the whole thing. <laughs> nice classic Shin Megami Tensei. Wait, so wheels, you also haven't done two yet? I haven't done two yet, no. All right. So it'll just be me and I, Sam talking about two in a bit. Yes. I'd intended to, but I wasn't. I just didn't end up having the time to get to two. So, How long ago did you play one? I haven't beaten one yet either, but I'm well into it. All right. So for people who don't know like the basic structure of the, of the game, just to give them a quick rundown, is that, uh, you know, like we mentioned earlier, rival tribes all fighting, and now they have demon powers, and now they're trying to consume each other. And apparently they've been fighting this battle for as long as they can remember, this war. And now that they have these demon powers, certain tribes are getting an edge and actually beating each other rather than this this constant stalemate. So now, as the Embryon tribe with Surf, you get this girl, and everybody wants this girl, because apparently the, the new objectives are take this girl to Nirvana. And to that, like, this big tower in the center of this world. And But to get there, you have to defeat every other tribe. So I think there's, like, maybe six or seven tribes... And you go and defeat each four, but yeah, yeah, and each one has like a different like color, and they're like different leaders, and you knock them all down, and you get to learn more about this world and people you're fighting, and and as this goes on, more of their humanity is unlocked until you finally reach the top of the tower, and then cliffhanger. (laughs) Oh yeah, (laughs) like the thing is, like Sarah, the the term that they call her, I believe it's the cyber shaman, because they don't really know what to classify her as, but. As you get to the top of the tower, after you defeat each tribe, you, you find out that Jenna Angel kind of um, is involved with a lot of the tribes conflicting with each other. And she, in some cases, is who she's the one who basically orchestrates everything that happens in the story. Um, she's kind of is the one who sends all the tribes to fight each other. Um, you find out, for an example, that one of the tribe leaders... Uh, is a parent of one of the other characters in the story. And you have to kill him, and it sucks. <laughs> um, you have to deal with the fact that um, some of your characters have to deal with um, maturity issues. Um, one of the characters, Cielo, who talks in a Rasta accent, which I kind of never <laughs> understood why they did that, but he's, he's cute and he's cheeky, but he's the most childlike of the bunch, and he sees some pretty horrific things in the story that forces him to grow up a little bit faster than some of the other characters. Um, he He's the one who constantly, in some ways, needs to be babysat. But he's kind of endearing because he's he's trying to accept a lot of what he sees. And he can't, in some ways, believe that they have to basically kill all the other tribes just to see what this nirvana is. He's, he's the character that kind of wants harmony and can't figure out how come they can't have it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love I love Cielo. He's so cute. I, I love all the characters in this game. I could gush about all of them right now if I wanted to. I was annoyed by his accent at first, but it grew on me. It does. It's it's so weird at first, and then it's he's this game's Waka basically. 
Yeah, I guess well, I can't take a comparison. But Waka's voiced right by brother. Bender's voice actor. It's impossible <laughs> to hate him. It's impossible. Talk to the person who doesn't like Final Fantasy X sitting right over here. Gasp. Even the possible impossible is possible tonight. <laughs> but yeah, the the characters are awesome in this game. And um, you have Argilla. She's kind of the mother character in the story. Um, Voiced by like- Lulu. <laughs> Yeah, actually, that's kind of funny and awkward <laughs> having that conversation. But yeah, um, she she's the mother figure. Her avatar is probably the creepiest of the bunch because it yeah. has a giant um, – her but... boobs have giant teeth on them. <laughs> yeah, and she talks out of them and her and her arm is a whip. Both her arms are whips. They sort of – like yep. uh, from her elbow, they descend like three extra segments <laughs> and she yep. whips them at people. It's pretty fabulous, I got to say. But uh, I love her. She's probably my favorite character just because in terms of her growth and her connection to Surf, in a lot of ways when Surf doesn't speak, she's usually the one speaking for Surf, um, which is kind of interesting. And you kind of learn in the second game the romantic connection she has between Gale, Surf, and I believe it's – I want to say it's Roland, but I could be wrong on that. No, I was pretty sure it it was Surf that she has a romantic interest in. Um, but you learn that Surf has a romantic interest in Sarah, which, shocker, you know, amnesiatic girl always gets the guy. <laughs> I hate that trope. That one needs to go but, the hell away. But like, I, I think they play with these tropes because we can't talk about it because these two guys are still here, but they play with these tropes very interestingly. Like, Surf being a silent oh, yeah. protagonist pays dividends in the second game. Yes, because he talks in the second game. Ooh. You sp- Spoiled it for these guys. Oh, come on. It's kind of off. Not a big spoiler. Um, He has to, because when you actually learn about the project that Sarah is placed under, you know, you learn about Surf's involvement, and he's a horrible guy. (laughs) Everything he did... To be fair, that is a pretty big reveal, though. When when you start to... Oh, it was a huge reveal, and I actually didn't entirely expect it. I didn't entirely expect that he was a villain, in some cases. So when you see that hmm. happening, it's it's messed up. Because you're sitting there going, I have spent 40 hours playing this guy who doesn't talk, only to find out he's part of the problem. And it was mind-blowing. I remember, like, my jaw dropped, I was so surprised. And just the interaction he has in terms of what he actually feels about Sarah. You learn how much he actually hates her. And how she is the cause of all their problems which that you should expect because it's sarah and she's that horrible anime trope of i'm pathetic and lame but then in the second game she actually gets pretty damn cool she remembers things let's just well put it she, no she, becomes a, in... she becomes a if... badass in the second game <laughs> well if you want to get into it right now we can i don't know yeah. if you, how much you guys want me, want to say yet well if if you want to talk about two I can. I was going to pull off my headset and let you guys go at it, but uh, is there anything else about one we could talk about? I don't think well, we talked about It's talk, just a setup. Com- I mean, you could talk about system. some favorite villains or boss battles or the secrets. Um, people like that. I'm trying to think in the first game what was like a memorable or difficult fight. And to be oh, honest. God, the entire tower was. I wouldn't. I don't think I have the patience to do that tower again. You know what? I hated the boss before the final boss in the tower in the first game. 
Because Lupo was, I believe it was Lupo, wasn't it? I don't know. The entire tower was just a gigantic headache, to be honest. Whoever the boss was before the final boss in the first game, he was a dick. The final boss was really easy. (laughs) And I hated that because that happened to me in the second game as well, where the boss before the final boss took me forever to beat. And then I went to go fight the giant choo-choo train in two, and I beat it on my second try. And I was kind of like... guys. Don't ask what that means. <laughs> the boss looks like a choo-choo. No, I, I, leave these poor men alone. They don't want to know. Can you suplex the train like you can in Final Fantasy VI? No, you can't suplex the choo-choo train. Oh. It'd be pretty cool, though, right? Picking up, like, Thomas the Tank Engine and just giving it a pile drive would be so cool. Yes. Um, I'll say my, my biggest problem with the tower was more that it, they fell into mega, uh, the Mega 10 trap of making the dungeon... the well, basically a giant puzzle and with tons of traps and like at one point you you enter several rooms where there's like if you take the wrong step you get sucked down or you get sucked to a side so you spend you know and of course while you're trying to navigate your way out of this maze you still have random battles every couple of steps yeah so just, and well, as long as headache. as long as it doesn't have unmappable rooms <laughs> no they're mappable but it's going to take you it's going to take trial and error to map it because you know, have the auto mapping system yeah it's yeah. um you know, I'm I'm with Manny on that. I remember the the Tower to Nirvana being kind of a pain in the ass only because there were parts of it that felt like padding. Like that oh, tower just was going on way too long for its own good. Um, but then I encountered the tower in two and I wanna say I'm actually slightly more forgiving uh for the tower in one. Because <laughs> <laughs> the tower in two is equally bitchy. Yeah. Um, yep. that, that's one thing about this game is like the dungeons are long. They're very unique experiences, but they're very long. And Manny's absolutely 100% right. They are all about trial and error. The other thing about the first game that drove me a little crazy was the save points were all over the place. Like it was always yeah. in that case of you, whenever you needed one, it wasn't there. <laughs> or even worse when you're about to reach one and you get into a random battle at insta death. I know. And you're just like, oh, you, just, you want to you cry. Know, what, you know what dungeon was also like that? Man, it just makes me think. Remember the one with the jack-o'-lantern and the Jack Frost? Yep, I remember. The Sandcastle, that one was a giant puzzle, too. That took for a really long time. <laughs> it took a long time. It was, it was pretty cool, but... It was. The gimmick in it kind of outstayed its welcome. But I, again, would rather do that than do the tower in two again. You know what's also interesting about the base <laughs> one? There was, there's no item, like... There was like a, a real lack of items and money, and like basically you got money as like sort of like a stipend most for the most part, and items didn't really matter, and you barely upgraded your ammo. I I, I can't re- I I remember only fighting in human form like for maybe like the few times that they made me. Yeah, is there ever really a time when petty. that's is there really time when that's useful? Yeah, uh, it becomes more useful in the in the second game because then you end up getting this hybrid mode where you're half demon. So yeah. there's three modes you can do, and that one ends up being useful a few times. But in the first one, I can think of maybe a couple of people who were weak to guns, and I would only transform one person in. Usually Ar- Argilla, because she had like a sniper rifle. Yeah, she was usually the most useful in human form. But that being said, I was so happy when they put the hybrid mode in the second game, because one of my biggest pet peeves was going into battle and then being like, oops, you're in human form for this battle, and me going... So oh, I get to waste a whole turn. Yeah, that. you waste an entire turn turning into it. Tr- just transforming. And guaranteed, if they got a critical on you in the human form, you were dead. Right? Like, there was no way to survive. 
Um, so what I liked when they added that hybrid mode, so even if the enemy snuck up behind you, at least in hybrid mode, you stood a better chance. Yes, you know, you have a higher attack skill but lower HP, but in most cases, you were lucky enough that you could critical, and the enemy would just kick the bucket. <laughs> and man, you were thankful for those moments. You are not happy, however, when you're in hybrid mode and they get the critical on you, because then that was insta-death. <laughs> yeah, hybrid Also, was, there's a trade-off. <laughs> criticals were, like, really heavy, like, high on both sides. So it was a real, like, give and take whether you wanted to be in hybrid mode. You got access to, like, a few unique uh, abilities that were pretty powerful that you wouldn't have otherwise. Absolutely. And your, oh my goodness, your physical attack, though, in hybrid mode is insane. Like, the amount of extras you got with it, oh, so nice. Um definitely loved it for that reason but oh yeah so it's called it's called berserk form when the solar data cycle is at max there's a chance of characters being trapped halfway between human and demon forms it's sexy that's all i got um i like those moments trying to think if there was anything else that was unique to two in terms of combat i like that and i like the cruise ship battle the whole cruise ship scenario (gasps) that was amazing that whole section. Um, the name's Bat. Remember it, because or if you don't, I'll carve it into you or something like that along those lines. Yeah. Um, trying to think if there was anything else that was remarkable about one. I mean, honestly, combo attacks. I like the clothes. Well, <laughs> they all basically wear the same outfit, just with different permutations. Yeah. And those yeah, there is the combos, I guess, but they also are in two. Uh, I like the oh, okay. boss battles. There was a bit. If you really wanted to dig in deep, you can get in there. Like there was a, I think Basilbub was in there, and you had a bunch of other yep. people. It was like there was like the four celestial, you know, the cardinal beasts. It was like, yes, and those like, there was were, a lot of extras in the first game, yeah. if I recall, in terms of like extra boss fights and stuff, which I know I didn't do because <laughs> <laughs> I don't have the patience usually for extra content. Yeah, I'm and terrible. I'm sure that requires a lot of extra grinding. Yeah, and I have a I, chance to beat some of those bosses. I'm not a fan of if I can avoid grinding nowadays, I will. It's just something I, as a gamer, have just lost patience for. So, well, I don't, I don't mind it too much when the battle system is as good as this one is. Yeah, well, I, I probably would make effort. I would say I always appreciated that triangle button. Whenever you got into a fight, where you're just like, you didn't want to bother with it, triangle. Yes. Yeah, for the most part, they would just do as they're told, and it was great. You didn't have to worry too much. Um. What did y'all think about some of the other assets of the game, as far as the you know the graphics and the music and the such? Uh, well, one of my favorite Shoji Meguro uh, soundtracks. Same. Yeah, so like the dude rock sort of feel. Like 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 so dude jazzy. I love the. The music they chose in the U.S. version for the opening cinematic. Oh, in a row anime. Mike, you would say yes, that. love it. Oh, I would. You, <laughs> I think it's a, it was a bad choice because the the main theme song in the Japanese version is actually the main theme instrumentally throughout the course of the game, called "Pray," and to remove it completely from the intro, I think robs some of the emotional impact of this tracks when they play again later throughout the course of the game. But that's that was big when you're doing. I mean. Look what they were doing at ten two and ten at the time. You would you would get these like lesser known bands to do the intro. Like they got Jade from Sweetbox or whoever the hell it I don't even know who that is still. <laughs> this thing the ten two opening. But I 
I just thought I didn't never understood the point because they did that to try to appeal to a wider audience. But let's be honest, a wide audience was never going to buy Shin Megami. I mean, Digital Devils on yeah. the one. Nope. So these are just kept Definitely the original. What about the pretty graphics? Well, to be honest, I think the graphics kind of hard to judge because it's like you successfully created a brown gray world. Woohoo! <laughs> that that's sounds exciting. I don't know. I like, I like, but it's a cell shaded brown and gray. I I like that all I mean, the characters have an extra color layer to them because Argila has pink hair and that's just awesome. And no less, it is bubblegum <laughs> pink. You said it was a it was a brown and gray cell shaded world, and immediately my mind thought Borderlands. No, 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 no. I'm like uh, ratchet no. up the like hundred percent. I got tired of Borderlands. Well, they're very different. Some of the I think some of the monster models might be reused from uh, Nocturne. Not sure, but I know happen. I know some of the monster models from this are reused later in uh, Devil Summoner. It doesn't bother me. I, I always love Kazuma Kaneko's yeah, doesn't bother. Yeah, it doesn't bother me either since they're good. And besides, they actually do add quite a few new monsters into Digital Devil Saga 2. In fact, the first thing you fight in Digital Devil Saga 2 is a bugaboo. And you haven't seen a bugaboo in, in a SMT game since, like, uh, Soul Hackers on the, on the oh. Saturn. I know, I'm sorry. That's that's very in-depth Mega 10 knowledge. <laughs> Yeah, it's okay. This this series is awesome. So yeah, you get to the top, you kill or beat Harihara, and then the cliffhanger is you wake up in a room. Cover your ears, you guys. I want to hear this. You wake up in a room. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Are you going to talk about it now? Yes. <laughs> There's nothing All else. Right, to I'm going to step away. I'm going to step away. Have fun. I'll be back. Okay. So you wake up, and then Sarah is on a metal grate in a laboratory covered in pink goo, and you realize that everything in the junkyard was just a simulation. It was all oh, di- none of it existed. Oh no! And then you wake up in the real world, and the real world, the, black, the sun is black. And all humans are turned to stone, and there's like a few, and there's like a few outlying domes that have survived this catastrophe. And there's a group called the Karma Society. And they're douchebags. And they basically want to make your life a living hell. And when you wake up, you meet this little boy named, I believe it's Terrence. And yep. he's he tells you about how the Karma Society has basically taken over the city. And they're basically out to hunt any person that might be living so that they can devour them to sustain no. their group. And that's the first time you see a kid because there are no children whatsoever in the junkyard. There's none, and Terrence is kind of special, I guess, in the story because he has a very unique relationship to the the main cast of characters. You know, at first he despises them, and then I believe it's Gale he makes the connection with, and he he basically just begs Gale to promise him that he'll change the sun, that they'll change the world, and Gale takes this promise really seriously because you know. They've had to spend a lot of time protecting Sarah, but they're starting to realize that there was more to protecting Sarah. They didn't realize the amount of suffering on the other side of this digital world. That, in fact, everybody was suffering because of their game. Um, and it's it's pretty screwed up. 
you kind of also learned that like the reason why people are petrified is due to like malignant solar data. But it yep. sounds like there's actually more to it. Well, it seems it's more like it's uh, apparently so the junkyard was okay. So it's this is where it gets convoluted. Okay, so so Surf and Heat were originally scientists in this government-run project to study oh, yes, the future. Right. It was Heat. That's why I was confused. <laughs> I don't know their real names. Doctor Heat. Okay, they'll say Doctor Heat, Doctor <laughs> Doctor Heat, and Doctor Surf. Right, so they're this government project to study the nature of God when they realize that on a quantum level, everything is composed of data. And they realize that the data of the sun is actually the data of God. And God is, like, so God's in the sun, controlling all the data on the quantum level of the universe. And to talk to God and to understand the nature of this quantum data, they find psychic kids. And these psychic kids can communicate with God. And apparently most of them die, except for Sarah. Yes. And, okay. special. Apparently, Cleo was also one of these psychic kids, and he died. And then, I guess, Sarah's really sad, and she's upset. So she creates a little fantasy digital world where she where, of places she wants to go and people she remembers. So she creates these little representations in this digital world. And apparently, the government finds out, and they're upset with Sarah. And they're like, hey, you can't have this. Instead, we're, we want you to turn this into a system to create battle AIs that we can install into our soldiers. <laughs> so, so apparently the whole point of the junkyard was it was basically a training ground for all these different AIs. And whichever AI made it to Nirvana would be the template that would get installed into a bunch of soldiers. So and only the strongest, best AI would survive and make it to the top. And those would be the ones that get implanted into soldiers. It's so convoluted. Okay, but now back to the thing with the heat and the surf thing, which is that, okay, apparently heat's a super nice guy. He's really, really nice. And he cares yeah. deeply about Sarah. As Ed, he's like, this is wrong what we're doing. We're killing these kids. You're hurting Sarah. We got to free them. And then big revelation. Surf starts talking. He's like, what are you talking about? These kids mean nothing to us. What's important, important is we talk to God. Screw what happens to her, apparently. And yeah, then they, it's oh, a role reversal. It's That's actually kind of the scary part of that whole scene, too. Is, I yeah. guess when you go into that scene, you expect it to be the other way around. And you actually start to realize how incredibly sympathetic he is as a character because you don't see that in part one. So the the weird thing is though is that um, so <laughs> the weird thing is that because Sarah perceived Surf as being a nice guy because he would pretend to be nice to her face when when their data got transferred into her digital world they took on the personas that she perceived them to be. Yep. So because he, he was always angry, of course he was always angry because she was getting hurt, but she didn't know that part. He's a mean guy in the digital world. And because Argilla was always stepping in between the two of them when they were fighting, lo and behold, she's the mommy character in Sarah's world. She's yeah. the digital mom, right? So it, it makes sense, and it's but it's kind of screwed up because when you start to see the aspects of the real world, the part that Sarah doesn't show you, um, you get all these role reversals that are so different than what you expect. And then the game basically asks you to question this, you know, is Surf actually a good guy? Is well, Heat actually a bad guy? The um, reputation of Surf, of the of the real Surf, is yeah. a good guy. The real Surf is a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. So but I mean... The game, though, is that it was such a data dump. I mean, such an info dump of like, yo, this is what the true nature of everything is right now. That I, some of it can be lost and you could get confused about it. Absolutely. But... Oh, 
I, okay, I finally remembered. I, I, it took me a while to remember. Okay, so the sun turned black and everyone turned to stone because while Sarah was connected to God in the sun, she saw that Surf was actually a mean dude and her world shattered and she got super sad. And then the God and the sun got sad and it turned black. And then the black malignant data turned everyone to stone. And then, what's her name from the previous game? Jenna made a demon virus to counteract the. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're right. I mean, you find out Jenna actually is not as bad as she seems in the first game. Again, Sarah's perception of Jenna Angel is she's this evil, nasty woman who wants to take her to the bad place. But in the second game, you find out that Jenna's actually trying to save people. Like, that she's more on Heat's side of, you know, the way in which Heat thinks she's more on his side than she is on Surf's. Because she wants to protect Sarah. But Sarah looks at Jenna and thinks that Jenna's always constantly out to hurt her. You can't blame Sarah for thinking that way because Sarah can only see so much from her little plastic bubble thing. Her little pod. Because because Jenna's testing the virus in the digital world to see if it would work in the real world. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Info dump done. Yep. It's it's pretty cool because, I mean... One thing I liked about this installment was when Surf shatters, there's a scene where Surf basically disappears. And the game switches so that you have to become Sarah in the game. And you actually get to see Sarah awaken as a stronger character. When she starts to realize that all her memories were false, you know, it empowers her to become a stronger person because she starts to realize, does she want to protect the memories of the characters she created or does she want to accept who they are in the real world? Yeah. And eventually she kind of merges the two together, but you can tell at first that she's very adamant that she, she really loves the imagined version she created. And she has a hard time actually accepting that surf is actually the guy who wanted to hurt her. But when she goes through the E G G or the egg, um, I mean, that's when you start to learn that Sarah is the cause of everything. And it's up to her to actually accept that within herself. And I mean, if I was in her shoes, I'd have the same problem. It would be very difficult. It's, or is it more God's fault? Because she, she willed the sun to be black. She, that- it's true, right? But how does she take it? She thinks it's her fault, right? Oh, and it's-, it's kind of neat. I, I love it. And then at some point, you need to go to the sun. You go oh, yes. to the digital form, of, and then you have to go... Beat up God to convince. Wait, what? But not just any God. It's not. It's the it's Hindu Brahmin. Yeah, Brahmin, which is like a wait. You know, sort of like depending on what uh, variety, of, just depending on what well, what version of Hinduism you subscribe to. So Brahmin is like other deities are all, but together they are Brahmin. Anyway, you need to go convince him to turn the sun back yellow and reincarnate everyone and have a happy universe. And yeah, Brahmin's a giant two-shoe train in this game. But I saw it was more like this endless pillar into eternity. I, I don't know why I thought it was a choo-choo train. <laughs> it just I, it was the way like it was. Like, you're right about it probably being more of a pillar because it flips around. But in some of the angles in the shot, it looked more like a train coming at you. And I was like, I don't know what this is supposed to be, but I'm just gonna beat the crap out of it and hope for the best. And I know I beat the game. I believe my final party was uh, Seraph, Argila, and. Roland, because yeah. I didn't get heat back. 
you said I had the I had the option to get him back. Actually, I was really nice in the game. When I had the final decision to take Heat back, I still decided that I liked Roland more, and I took Roland instead. We also well, because I built Roland to be a better character. So it was interesting. We, we the part where where as as the these AI characters start to realize who they were in the real world too. Yeah, because most of those characters are dead. They were actually killed when Surf, when the original Surf, Doctor Surf, became a demon and ate everybody. Right? Yeah, he killed everybody. So then, I thought it'd be a good idea. Oh, Phil, meant that he had the power. I feel like we're talking about an episode of Lost. This is so- <laughs> but it's pretty cool, actually. Like because when they bring back the devouring. He's sort of the first devourer in the story. Um, I will say it makes sense along the. During the journey along the way, it makes sense of where you're going. It just gets confusing. You try to explain this entire thing to like over the course of two games, like 60 hours to somebody in like in five minutes. Yeah. But that being said, I mean, you got to love the amount of emotion in some of those death scenes. Like when they bring back Meginata, which is the second last boss in the game. And oh my God, I hated it so much. Um, Meginata comes back. Uh, and kills Roland and Argila. Oh, they kill off everybody in this game. Everybody dies. Um, and the scenes are really horrific. They're really gory, really horrific. And you kind of sit there and just make... I know I cried. I was sitting there. I'm like, I want everybody back. Give them back. Yeah, they don't right. waste any time. They kill a surf. You kill the main character. I mean, everyone dies. I mean, you finally and make pretty it... Pretty much it isn't until you go back to the sun that you get them back. You, in but a you digital get form. It's digital ghosts. Exactly. You don't even get them back back you get digital versions of them and remember so you like, get them in the form that sarah believed them as hmm. which kind of makes me sad actually oh so bizarre do we even talk about the gameplay at all we just talked about the info well, to be fair they well, we, we they talked put the, about the gameplay in the first half we talked about some of the changes yeah just the berserk form and because not I'll, a lot i mean it's weird though it's it's like an smt1 i mean i mean not smt uh DDS one, the environments are more unique, but they're a little bit they're more unique and outlandish, but they're kind of bland and boring. And here, they're more colorful and vibrant, but it's just office buildings and like destroyed ruins of a futuristic human society. It's kind of interesting how they they play the atmosphere in the two games, although they're built on the exact same concept. They have very different presentations in terms of how they even want you to feel. Um, like when you play the. F- first one it almost seems like the atmosphere is um it's a lot more calm and desolate like you know there's a crisis but it's not built in such a way where it feels rushed or horrific whereas when you jump into two you really see like that rush of terror when you start to see all the stone people and you and you listen to terrence kind of explaining what's happened to the world you go from like a feral world into like a world that clearly has a lot of things are wrong and yeah, just, it was, Junkyard was sterile but dirty at the same time. <laughs> yeah, like just it gives you a different kind of emotion. Like there's there's just surge of of terror in the second game, whereas in the first game, it, you're right, it's just it's it's desolate and it's dirty, but it likes being that way. But you know, we didn't. There's one dungeon we didn't talk about in the second game that was kind of awesome. Do you remember the the jailer? Oh yes, that's one of the most unique fights in the entire. In both games. Where you fight, I believe it's, is it Kambala? 
It was like a horse demon something with like yeah, a... It was a skeleton demon kind of on a horse. But regardless, I mean, he chases you in that dungeon. And you can't beat him. <laughs> and you can't beat him. If you get caught by him, he beats the crap out of you. You end up back in jail. Uh, and it isn't until you you start trapping him in places that you can kind of get around him. But then the traps get more challenging. And oh my god, I had to do that a couple times. Just because he moves really fast. Like, he starts out slow, but when he gets a little bit closer to you, you see him speed up. And it's terrifying. It's just like, oh god, oh god, oh god, he's coming, he's coming. And it, it's freaky. But so cool at the same time. I, I love that whole section. As much as, like, I was cursing it at the same time. <laughs> I like it because it was a nice change of pace. You're so used oh, yeah. to you know, the standard fight every two steps, fight every two steps. This was just different. It was different, and it was... Yeah, it was definitely fun and memorable. Well, it was kind of like being in a Stephen King movie or a Stephen King novel for a few minutes. Where just, you, there's that dread and you know it's coming. And you know that if you don't do things correctly on your first try, you're screwed and you're going to have to do it again. You know, some of my other most uh, really enjoyable moments was just seeing like these weird demon people, half demons with like pink hair. And just in like something as innocuous as an airport. You know, just an airport lobby. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty cool, actually. It was just like a really nice juxtaposition before they went all crazy. And then just Kazuma Kaneko just showed that he has like a religious studies degree uh, when he went to the sun and just went crazy. You know, it was interesting. I mean, when I was playing this game, I was uh, taking a lot of college classes in uh, Indian religions and philosophy and art, Asian art history classes. And to see, you know, it's so rare on this side of the pond, on just uh, this half of the world, to see any kind of like loving depictions of you know, just Aryan traditions, Aryan mythology, Hindu, Buddhist, like all of these very Eastern ideas. And just, because you could tell Kazuma Kaneko, he doesn't have any disdain for them. He actually loves a lot of these mythologies and these histories and these different cultures, whether it be, you know, people still practice these religions or not. And he just sort of just say, this is this, is this in a 3D representation. And I, I can't think of very many games where these, that kind of world exists. And it was really interesting and fun and refreshing to say that. I mean, to see that. Definitely, definitely an experience. Um, yeah, I, I, I did love the idea of the mundane being transformed into something horrific. Yeah. Like, the airport was a really scary scene because even though there was no timer, it felt like it was a timed experience to get to the plane, right? It's like you knew, oh God, like if I don't make it to the plane, I'm not going to be able to figure out what happened to surf. Oh God. And just, you'd be running up and down the buildings and everything, trying to find where the stupid launch pad was. And there'd be things breaking in front of you, and, oh, it just definitely made me want to, like, rush through it. And even when you see them in a jet, like, uh, like, uh, Surf and Sarah in a jet trying to escape, and then you have, uh, Cleo in his, in his demon form, Vayu, just flying around, trying to <laughs> save yeah. It was just such, it was so weird to see that when they're in the jet, he's flying around, and eventually he makes a sacrifice so they can escape and make it to where they have to go. I love that scene. That that is definitely one of the uh, the very noble sacrifices in the game. I mean, I think they're all noble in some cases, but that one in particular. I mean, he gets shot at and then just crashes like in like a plane, and it's I don't know. It was just such a, a neat scene, and yet it was so sad. I love I love that character, so that was hard for me. I gotta say, hmm. I'm trying to think if there's anything else before, well, uh, before Michael Axe can come back. After you finally calm God down, 
which is so strange. You would think like you have to beat him up to calm him down. <laughs> but yes, you finally calm him down. And the sun goes back to yellow, and which is I, I thought it was a little strange though. But like, so all of the characters are reincarnated as little children. Oh yeah. And they look so strange. It looked like bobblehead dolls because their heads were so big. And yet they were so happy as children. And it's, they had the same red hair. They look like, like basically they look like little bobblehead versions of themselves, like little chibi versions of the original characters because they're wearing the same clothes. They're just child's like small child sized. Yep. And the character, the, the child that you meet in the beginning of the game, turned out to be the narrator and the caretaker for these kids, right? Yep. Terrence is actually an adult at the end of the story, and he's you see him walking in a forest with them, like holding their hands and explaining like, you know, and, and this is how it ends. And it's, it's such a, a uh, We forgot like the most important character. Oh, who did we forget? The cat with the gray ear. Oh, Schrodinger. Yeah, the Schrodinger cat, which apparently is just Surf and Sarah combined into one who who achieved transcendence and and uh, sort of enlightenment and is now uh, like evolved to a point where just they move to a different universe. <laughs> like I said, yeah. Schrodinger look- went over my head a couple times. I'll I'll say that much. Very Eastern, because I took so many classes learning about all these things, like uh about you know these sort of the cycle of rebirth and meta- and like sort of escaping the wheel of rebirth by through yeah. enlightenment. So, <laughs> so for me, this was right up my alley, like in the, well, right in my college classes. But I can see how a lot of people are just going, "This is just this is weird, dude. This is just weird." So, I'm I mean, sure Phil what's going on. Yeah, no, my my knowledge of Hindu myth is nowhere near up to par as yours is. So I know from I sitting there going, Schrodinger, you're kind of a jerk sometimes. Why can't you say nice things to me once in a while? Like, hey, I'm awesome. No, you got to be mean to me. And it makes sense why the cats mean to you, but it's just like, oh. Okay, so wait, was Schrodinger? It's okay, so Schrodinger is apparently the evolved, is is the evolved combined Sarah, right? The Alliance version. So does that mean he he went back in time to talk to Sarah and Surf, and then eventually when he becomes blind again, talking, is he talking to himself as an enlightened being at that point? You know, I'm I'm not sure. I mean, I guess it's tough to say. I mean, it's a weird game. It's a weird game. <laughs> I mean, Schrodinger's like the whole point of the Schrodinger's cat, though. If if I'm not mistaken, I always thought it was based off of the the actual thought experiment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you're if your cat's trapped in a box, he's both dead and alive until you actually open it up to see which one it is. Yeah. So. But I didn't get the the relation to this in this case. It didn't seem like it was a direct parallel. Is it possible, like what you said, though, that the cat is one half Sarah and one half Surf, and then it just Almost like to die as a, like a light dark kind of contrast. It could have been. It was pretty strange to see Surf Sarah talking to Surf Sarah at the end of the game, saying, "Let's leave this universe. They don't need us anymore." Yeah, no, and that part's kind of. I mean, kind of goes over your head. It's a very Watchmen. But it also, it does make sense in some cases because both of them have to accept each other in order to be a whole, right? You always so knew that that cat had something special going on. That cat was like in the very first scene of the game, right? The yep. first thing you see. So it's so they were setting it up to begin with. Absolutely. Ah, oh, it's such a bizarre game. Do but like, you, it's funny though. That the second half of the game is like ninety percent of the story. First one's all set up in getting attached to characters. And the... 
Oh, but you know what? It's so good. It is. Like, I always feel bad when I hear people being like, I finished, I stopped at one because, like, there's no story. And I'm like, no, there's a story. Unfortunately, you have to play the first one, or fortunately, depending on your case, if you like it, to get to the second part for it all to really come together and make sense. No. If you just jump into the second one, there's a lot of stuff you actually won't get. Yeah, I was about to ask you, would you recommend someone maybe just play the second one since the meat of the story is there? Absolutely not. I would not recommend it only because of the fact that there is stuff from the first game that is integrated into the second game, right? In terms of plot aspects, especially yeah. uh, with the characters Jenna Angel and Sarah. You need to have some of the stuff from that first game to really make sense of what their characters are doing for it to make even more sense in the second game. So that's where I would say I, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> I would play the first game. Um, and for what it's worth, I mean, the exposition that the story presents is still really interesting. Um, and I, I, I don't know, I loved learning about the tribes and seeing that, you know, because you, you do spend a lot of that first game going like, what's so special about Sarah? Yeah, it's, it's true. She was just a generic amnesiac at first game until you realize this is actually, no, this is her world. Yeah. <laughs> we're all figments of her imagination. And that's kind of the uh, the fun, screwed up part about it. And I just, I don't think I could recommend somebody just jumping yeah. right into two. That was really interesting. No, we mentioned that earlier that they played with uh, some expectations, like the silent protagonist. Yep. Surf is quiet. And he has to be, so you can have that revelation when he starts talking and he's a real jerk. And then Sarah's amnesiac. And then, like, oh, actually, no, this, we're already in her mind and all of the wishes and desires. It's all around us. This entire world was built on what she wanted and, like, what she saw in everyone yeah. and in her life. So it's, like, all these weird little juxtapositions, like, they're just playing with it. The jerk and the mean guy is actually the really nice guy. Yeah. Well, and then you have, you know, and there's one thing we didn't talk about, uh, Gail. Uh, you find out that Gail's actually the impulsive one of the group. Whereas when you see him in Sarah's world, he's just the very logical, monotone, yeah, very straightforward guy. But he was also on Heat's side. He wanted to protect Sarah. And he's actually very impulsive. Um, which so it is- seems like every this entire game is just playing with your expectations for an entire like for the whole first half of the game. I mean the Pretty whole much. first chapter. It it's one of those games where um you play the first part and you're just like, okay, yeah, this is pretty cool. And it just screws with your perception of people. It, it's a game that's actually asking you to question um, how much you know somebody. It's like, oh, we got you. All those things you thought, it was all cliches. We used them to, get, to play with yeah. your emotions. That's what makes these two games that much more awesome. But, you know, you, we're, we're, ta- we're talking this game up so much. And uh, I, from my understanding, it's kind of hard to find at this point. Did you, did you, were you able to track it down pretty easily? Oh, man. It is super hard to find. I mean, I mean, y'all are talking it up, but but man, people are gonna have to dig deep just to even buy, buy a copy of this game. They're gonna have to pull out the what's the biggest bill there is. They're gonna pay, pull out a bunch of those. Oh, well, Atlas! I would say every so often, Atlas throws up some on uh, Amazon that you can get for like twenty bucks. Because because you can get you you have to pony up to get Shimigami Tensei Digital Devil Saga One on Half dot com, brand new in the shrink wrap. You need to pony up. $21.61. It's actually cheaper on Amazon. Good. It's actually in stock. You know, I say this because I'm so used to Atlas titles that once they're gone, they're gone. Yep. So to actually see them back and look here, brand new on Amazon, $20. That's good. Well, and they were rated for PSN. So within, I don't know, at some point, we're going to likely see them on PSN. 
Yeah, you can get both copies for forty. I mean, both one and two for forty bucks 40 on Amazon bucks, right now. Which twenty dollars each, brand new. That's fantastic. But is, is it worth twenty bucks? Um, yes, it's only worth the forty dollars <laughs> for both. Wow, Amazon even has Nocturne on here for twenty dollars. You know, it's strange. I used to, to be penny for. Oh. I used to rush out to get these games because I I always under the impression that Atlas would never reprint them. And Same here, here. Yeah, no, I'm with you, Manny. I in fact I I just bought another. Is this an Atlas game? I'm sure it is. But yeah, I just between that and uh, NIS and stuff. Yeah, I just snatched those guys right up. Shoot, yeah, this is now Coda Princess. I had to snap it up because heaven forbid they run out of the bloody things, and then they don't print them again. But lately, it seems like they've been getting back on that print bandwagon. I don't know. You know, what I would love to see is that these games uh, digitally on either Steam, like just on either PSN, Xbox, and Steam. Just even Steam, just let people play them on their PC. You know, go back and check this game out. I want it available to as many people as possible. Well, I was gonna say, like I said, uh, they did get rated for PSN as a PS2 classic. So good. It's just a question of whenever it gets slated in for release. So guaranteed, we're gonna get to see them on at least that digital service. So that would be fabulous, of course. Because I'm, I'm with you, Manny. I think everybody should play these games. So I played these when they both came out originally, six years ago. And you just play them. So they still hold up, even with all these other games, what games have become. And, you know. <laughs> um, let's put it this way. Of all the games I've beaten this year, yeah, probably my favorite. Okay. Two. Still hold up. Um, still hold up. I adored to it. As much as I hated that little bit of grinding I had to do towards the end, which I really hated, Mike Minky, he can protest to that because he was listening to me on Skype going, effing hate that, um, while I was doing it. Um, you, you do that for every game you have to grind in, though. <laughs> this is true. Um, but I, I loved it. I think it was probably one of the best games I've played so far this year, just because not only did it force me to think, because, you know, gotta love a game that makes you think. Um, but just, I was already invested in the characters and the story, so I knew that it was either going to horribly disappoint me, or it was going to, like, blow my mind, and it obviously went to blow my mind. Um, <sighs> but of course, if you listen to this podcast, we just spoiled the F out of this game for you, man. <laughs> Why did you listen yeah. to haven't played it but yet. But Manny, that's yes. what we do. If we didn't spoil everything we possibly could about a game, then people would come along and go... You changed. You're not as good as you used to be. So it, it's tradition now. How about this? It's uh, it's much. The story's much better when it comes from them, and it doesn't come from me going. Okay, so this is weird. <laughs> Stay with me. <laughs> there. In other words, go pony up the forty dollars. Buy them both. You won't regret it. Yeah, if you do regret it, you can send me an email or a tweet saying. I hate you. Go die in a fire. And to be fair, if you hate it based on what I said, I played it six years ago. I was a very different person back then. <laughs> yeah, but it sounds like you still even now enjoy. Uh, I had enjoyed I, it. Very positive. I came at such a right time where it's like intellectually, I was doing all this stuff for school, and then this game comes along and it sort of reinforces all of these ideas that I've been playing with. Like you know, because like when you when you read about these these um, old cultures and you know, religions, old traditions in a book, it's kind of stuffy and it's just information. But when you get to see it like in a digital space and just sort of meant like sort of made physical and you actually get to play through it and play with these ideas and like in a fun manner it, it, it sort of it makes them more that much more tangible so it came into this right time for me where it was like yeah that was fantastic everything so it just probably makes you appreciate it a lot more too oh absolutely in terms of what you're learning um so you love you go, those moments go to college take an asian studies class in religions and 
art, culture, and a philosophy class, Philosophy 101, then go play Digital Devil Saga, and you'll have a great time. <laughs> the way that's nature just, intended. That's the most expensive thing I could probably be doing with myself right now. Oh, you, see, you, you see tuition prices just keep going up. Damn you, California. Budget. Western Governors <laughs> University. So 3000 bucks uh, every six months, cramming as many courses as you want. Non- 3000 Wow, that's cheap. Non-for-profit organization. Phil? Western Governors University, WGU dot something, EDU or something. Oh, yeah, something. That, that's a very precise address. I'll, yeah, I'll just type a bunch of something. Google it. It's, it's great. So the bottom line is go out and get these two games. So do sure it. sounds that way. Yeah, that's you know, what it sounds if, like. If you're not, uh, I will say this: if you're not like the biggest S and T fan because you didn't like Nocturne style and you didn't like, say, uh, Devil Summoner, not Devil, yeah, Devil Summoner uh, in the 1920s. Right yeah, yeah. Um, this is very different. This is a lot more in the vein of like maybe something like Final Fantasy X. You know, like a, more of a straight cinematic JRPG experience. So it's very much an outsider in terms of the rest of the SMT games. And it's not even like Persona. Persona is a lot more of a dating sim and dungeon crawler than this is like. Well, you know, so, and even just in terms of difficulty, I would definitely say compared to something like Nocturne, oh, yeah. it's a lot easier. It's on the middle of the road. <laughs> it's it's definitely, for an, even for an SMT game, it's actually, it's got its moments that are very difficult. But for the most part, actually, it's um, it's not unbalanced in the slightest. Unlike, you know, Strange Journey. How about Devil Survivor? That's the one I've actually played. Uh, or Devil Survivor 2. Also unbalanced. That's like a that's like a tactical game, yeah. This is the only yeah. one that's like this, so Yeah. Yeah, who can say if Atlas will ever decide to try this again? Right now doesn't seem likely. I don't see how they can come back to this world though. I mean it seems like when when you talk to God and oh <laughs> I won't say anything else. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, well, not necessarily this world, but these gameplay systems. How's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, Atlas certainly hasn't given up on the series, so you never know. It, it might recur someday. Hey, if they're bringing back Soul Hackers, there could be a chance. Yeah, if they bring back Digital Devil Saga, it had to be like a, a modern take on digital. It had to be something different. It, it couldn't be these exact same characters in this exact same world, but these ideas and sort of like um, di- digital themes, I could see them coming back to. Yeah. Yeah. Cool beans. Well, uh, thank you. Three will be uh, taking just another break. We'll be right back to wrap this up with the final lap. have any comments to read because i kind of got that last podcast up late about wizardry yeah also, and it's I wizardry. Kinda... <laughs> what's that 
dude, it's wizardry. Yeah. Wizardry. You go through dungeons, stuff happens, we all cry about it. It was really cool, though. It was awesome. I did, I did like, a 20-minute monologue on the end of that since I couldn't be there for the recording. I had the, I had the, because I, I love Wizardry 8 so much. These other, some of these other games, like, you know, Shimigami Tensei, I think I, that Digital Devil Saga, I think I played for five minutes or so. I remember what the characters looked like. That was about all I remembered, so I didn't really chip in on that one. But Wizardry 8, oh boy, I put that one up. I couldn't put that bad boy down. It was such a fun game. So that, that got its own 20, 25 minute monologue. That was that good. Everybody needs to go back out and play Wizardry 8. Good luck finding it. Yeah, <laughs> and Becky and her sister most assuredly sustained their end of the bargain, talking about seven and eight too. Oh yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. <clears throat> they had a lot to say. I actually need to download and listen to their portion of it. Yeah, I... For once, you were listening to it while it was being recorded. Yeah, gonna go back and listen. Shucks, uh, work has just been uh, killing me lately. So uh, let's see here. Let's uh, let's pull uh, Manny out on the floor, who hasn't been on this podcast in quite a while. And you know, I have to ask Manny what's going on lately because I used to find out through RPG Cast what Manny doing, what's Manny playing, what's Manny thinking. But at some point in the not so distant past, Chris put the episodes on a different server, and that's blocked from where I happen to have my place of employment. And that's where I usually do most of my podcast listening because I type in just spreadsheets full of numbers so now i can't listen to rpg cast anymore manny what's up with that um you have to talk to chris about that one well, so what's know. going on with you man I, I need my manny fix all right um i haven't played a game in about a month that that sound clip by the way is gonna get like broadcast on youtube and all over the internet i need my manny fix <laughs> hey that's there you go that's the new title of my web of my blog the manny there you fix go, the manny fix <laughs> Check out my new Manny, show, The Manny Fix, every Sunday at 6. Nice. Um, not much. Not much. It covered a pumpkin. <laughs> That's great. That's fun. Is it a great uh, pumpkin or just a pumpkin? It was the great pumpkin. I tracked them down and I cut them. <gasps> well, Manny, it's a good thing Charles Schultz is dead so that he doesn't have to hear you say that. I cut him good. Well, not much. Just, you know. Playing, enjoying some Apple stuff. Playing anything new, fun, and exciting? Um, I hope to start a Halloween game tonight. Maybe uh, something spooky and scary. Maybe some Alan Wake. If I had that on my like my backlog for like about three years now. <laughs> Seems like a good time as any to get through it. It's Stephen King the game. Basically. I actually finished Alan Wake. It's normally right. something out of my comfort zone. It's, it's not bad. All right, great. That's what I like to hear. Other than that, um, just not much. Boring guy, can I say? How about you, man? What's going do, on with you? Doing anything new and fun and exciting on the website? On the website? Uh, yeah, you know, that silly website that, you know, we host our podcast on and everything. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think people criticize me there every now and then. And they still blame me for saying Dead Island was fun at E3. But that's, that's neither here nor there. Wait a minute. That's not a role-playing game. Yes, it is. <laughs> Hey, if Borderlands is a role-playing game, so was Dead Island. Aye, aye, aye. Yeah, you know, I really tried to get... I mean, I really did try to get into Borderlands. I tell you, I got 25 hours logged into it according one to two. Steam. One. And, two is uh, a better game than one, uh, though. I don't think... There, I, mean, I, 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 I agree with your sentiment just based on everything I've heard, but also based on what enough. I've heard, I don't think it's going to be something that makes me, you know, just win me over. I don't think it's enough of a difference. 
uh, I don't know. Just um, I, yeah, the real fun of that is every, uh, one reviewer said it's the best co-op experience on you know whatever, and it's just like, well, that's my problem right there. I'm antisocial. I played the single player mode, which was okay. I mean, there's some funny moments and everything like that. Don't get me wrong, but eh, I'd rather go play Torchlight. Hmm, Torchlight too. Yeah. Uh, and the retro stuff that I'm looking forward to. I'm looking for some. I'm looking forward to several new old retro games like Baldur's Gate Enhanced Edition. I'm looking to check out pretty soon, which should be fun. Uh, I'm excited about Shadowrun Returns and Wasteland too. Oh yeah, I got my money down on those. And uh, even Project Eternity. I'm curious to see how that turns out. But well, I'm, I'm apparently like the biggest games I'm excited outside of CD Projekt Red, it's, uh, Cyberpunk, which is also a throwback. All the games I'm excited and hyped for are smaller. Indie titles that are like returns of older games. Well, speaking of, uh, along those lines, Manny, what do you think about the um, the critically acclaimed XCOM game that just came out? Oh, I haven't played it yet. <gasps> I know, I haven't been playing. I spent my heart just stopped. New phones, and then getting that set up. How can you put XCOM on the back burner? I blame you Apple. Just did. They're, they're I blame Apple. Well, what did you buy from Apple? Did you buy one of those mini iPads? Yeah, it's called an iPhone. <laughs> yeah, it's an iPhone, yeah. <laughs> Shoot. Yeah, those are pricey. Yeah, yeah. Not quite convinced to buy an iPhone yet, but I do have my iPad. Uh, I would have... Oh, I would have... you keep on joking about the iPad mini, I will let you know that the first iPad mini reviews, I've started hitting the net just right now during the cast, and they, people seem to love it. Oh, 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 I've been reading reviews on that for a while. Yeah, but... Yeah, uh, you know, I can't. I can't. I, uh, you know, it would be. Uh, it would be a, a, a no-brainer if it was around the same price as the uh, Fire or something along those lines, like oh, in the two hundred range. Here you go. To consider it, just here. We, oh, all right, all right. I know this is not a tech podcast. The iPad Mini hasn't wrapped up the cheapest tablet market by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. But the best small tablet market, consider it captured. Yeah. That's if if money's not an object, sure. Yeah. But it's just four hundred, three hundred, and some for the cheaper model that has only sixteen gigs of memory. Uh, that ain't going to work for me because I got all kinds of games and music and stuff. 25,000 apps, and several of those are retro, old-school games. It doesn't matter. You have to, to pay an arm and a leg for the, for the one with decent memory. Do you want memory. to play Baldur's Gate Enhanced Edition? On a real iPad. Not on a tiny little thing that I can barely make everything out. I'm on a real iPad. It's an 8-inch tablet. It's a tiny little thing. No, I mean, I would, I, you know, I, I, I often say I love my iPad to death, love my iPad to death, but it isn't the most, por- you know, it's more portable than a laptop, but it's still not, you know, super portable. An 8-inch tablet, I could fit into, you know, cargo pants or something along those lines, but, you know, for 400 bucks, 500 bucks, that's a little expensive to be carrying around. I've already got a $500 cell phone. I'm walking around with 1000 bucks in my pocket. Holy cow. I just realized something. Android fans and just people who hate mobile gaming, they must hate me so much. Because every podcast I go to, Apple talk, iPhone talk, iPad talk. Oh my iPad's God. great I for can... games. If you're we're talking about JRPGs and here we are talking no, about... No, it's the final lap. We talk about everything on the final lap, Manny. People hate me. Just no, me. we do it. No, I, you know, I've said to say, iPad, great stuff. Great stuff for playing a lot of your retro games. I mean, just uh, I've, I've talked about Spiderweb before. Uh, they got that game on there, Avadon. They just released another one of, of their great Didn't games on Avernum, there. Right? Yeah, Avernum uh, 6, I believe. And it really works well on the iPad. And it's just big enough to kind of get all that stuff on the screen. And the and touch controls are a little finicky, but, you, you know, for the most part, it works out just fine. Are you excited at all about uh, Baldur's Gate Enhanced Edition? Because uh, based on what you just said, it seems like you're going to love that one. 
Yeah, I don't know yet. I, I did I did put the money down on those other two you mentioned, Wasteland and uh, uh, Shadowrun. So I'm really excited about those. But uh, you know, at Baldur's Gate especially, I just keep thinking to myself, clickety clickety clickety. I mean. Avadon isn't quite as detailed as Baldur's Gate. There's not as much inventory management. There's not as much moving stuff around left and right. With Baldur's Gate, you're constantly, you know, memorizing spells, moving inventory from one character to another. You're worried about encumbrance. Chris played it at uh, PAX, and he said it played just great. I, he, basically, the way he came out of it, the way he came out of that time, he was like, yeah, it's Baldur's Gate. It, he just came to, like, sort of, sort of, like, sort of matter of the fact that, like, that was, for, hearing that from Chris was interesting. Like, he just, it's like, yeah, it's Baldur's Gate. What do you want? <laughs> what do you so, want? Oh well, I'm not even sure Chris is exactly the Baldur's Gate person to no, go but, to. I mean, but, but I remember like that. Like the impression I got from him saying that was yeah. that it's just like it, it, it plays like you expect it to play. It's just fine. It, the other like, thing, he, the other thing about Abaddon, and this is you know one of my you know one of my little gripes against Baldur's the original Baldur's Gate, Abaddon, which is kind of based pen and paper type of game. It's turn based. God bless these people for keeping a pen and paper game the way it's meant to be kept. Baldur's Gate moved to a real time strategy you know type of solution where you kind of control the whole party at once. <laughs> Or you're hitting spacebar every five seconds, or you put it on auto pause. You and I are having a debate that's like twelve years old at this point. Right, right. But my whole point, my whole my my point <laughs> getting back to a real time. Right, right. I don't care. Well, I, no, no. And I'm not saying I'm not. I'm not making a moral dilemma out of it. My opinion here is no, that. No, I agree. Sucked. I just think it's funny though because people had this exact same conversation twelve years ago. I can't yeah. believe they're going to. Well, I'll, but but where where I'm getting at here, Manny, to bring it back to, I'm I'm actually going somewhere with this is. How do you do that, you know, relatively well on the iPad where you're constantly, oh, I want these two characters, so I'm quickly doing the rubber band thing to move those. It's, it's, it, it is half real-time strategy game. If you played a game like Command & Conquer, StarCraft, whatever have you, if you can imagine trying to control that with an iPad, then, I mean, because Baldur's Gate is somewhere between Avadon, which does work really good. It's a turn-based game. XCOM would work really good on the iPad. But it's but you know this game is in between that and a Star Starcraft, which does not work well on an iPad. So I'm not really sure with that real time combat. How what are you circling with your finger? I, I guess we'll we'll see. We'll have to see. And the pause button, I guess you want this face bar. You'll have to hit somewhere on the screen to pause it. I it'll be interesting. It'll be I I I will say that I'm looking forward to see how they implement that particular solution. Well, I look forward to the backtrack where you talk about. How well this old school, this new school version of an old school game? Well, I'm definitely looking forward to the PC version. Sure, absolutely, positively. There's no doubt that the PC version will control just fine. So, updated graphics, uh, updated extra little side quests. From what I understand, more content, right? So you're not going to play it on your Windows 8 PC with a touchscreen? No, I still got a Windows XP deal. Bam! I do. Are you really still running Windows XP? Oh yeah, because of retro gaming. Uh, Windows 7 is gorgeous. It's beautiful. I do have it on my laptop, but it's not doesn't quite play nice in the sandbox with some of my old Windows 95 games like Wizardry 8. Aren't those all on GOG again? And they work with Wizardry, Windows Wizardry 8 is not on GOG, and on top of that, uh, GOG has not exactly converted its entire catalog to Windows 7. It's a process. <laughs> so... Yeah, and it does help if you're going to do if you're going to get Windows Seven Boys and Girls, uh, pony up for the uh, I forget if it's called the Professional Edition or the Extra Ultimate Edition or whatever it is, but it's the one it has better compatible backwards compatibility when you use the uh, compatibility XP compatibility mode. So you'll get more mileage, you know, out of the Ultimate if you're into retro gaming and you're used to going back and playing those. But if you look at GOG, GOG is really cool because it will tell you for a fact when you look up a game, it'll tell you for a fact whether or not they've got it compatible for Windows Seven yet or not. So that way you don't have to pony up the cash before you, you know, do Man, that kind of stuff. Using. 
on this Windows compatibility. I'm just so used to it just not working on the Mac until someone tells me that it does. Well, that's what God does. It, it won't work on Windows <laughs> your Windows 7 computer until they tell you that it does. Ha ha. So, like, looking for example, Theme Hospital. Love that game. If you haven't played it before, it is super, super awesome. Um, not a real RPG, but it's it's just a really, really funny sim type of game with a lot of comedy in it. 1997, so I want to say the original release was XP. Um, or, no, not XP, I'm sorry. Uh, 98, 95, Windows 98, 95. And uh, right now it's compatible in uh, with XP and Vista, but uh, Windows 7 is not listed yet. You would think if it's compatible with Vista, it would be, but they don't list it yet, so I wouldn't you know, plunker down the money yet, just yet. You're rolling the dice if you do. So go figure that one out. All right. Mm. But you will be happy to know that Earthward Gym 102 is certified for Windows 7. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember playing Earthworm Gym. I tried playing it again more recently, and I decided that I, my platforming skills have either taken a dive in recent years, or I just don't have the patience to die over and over and over again through that stupid diving bell level everyone remembers that from from jim <laughs> hey uh hey uh, some city 2000s compatible with windows 7 but sacrifice is not <laughs> i would say just kind of i mean this is kind of a very unofficial scan of these things but it looks like about two-thirds of them are about two-thirds or three-fourths uh, are coming up as being compatible okie doke how about you mr manny oh wait him. no sam wants to go first um, not much new with me. Still dealing with canceritis parents. Um, but otherwise, I have just been doing a lot of schoolwork for my library degree. <laughs> wow. Um, Next, a sexy librarian. I am going to be a sexy librarian, I swear. Um, the only game I've actually been playing a lot of is, well, Final Fantasy uh, four heroes of light, and I'm at the final boss, and I really, really hate it. It is a wait. Is that hat party? That's hat party. Okay, I only know that game is hat party. <laughs> I, I, I I like the hat party part. The final boss is Captain Sucky Suck. Oh my god, I hate the final boss. Um, is it Captain said, Sucky Sucktacular Suck or just Captain Sucky Suck? <laughs> Sucktacular. How about Sucktacular? I'll say that. I'm just at the stage where right now all the games I've started, particularly the RPG ones, um, I'll have horrible final bosses, so I keep sitting there, and I'm like, I want to play a fun game where I don't have to sit there and go, final boss either requires lots of grinding or me giving a crap. Well, you've so, got something something about uh, farming and no nasty bosses coming at towards you, doesn't, don't yeah, you? Or just don't play a Japanese role-playing game if you don't want a difficult oh, final I know. boss. You know what it is? It's like I said, lately I've just I've been on a lot of gaming ADD and I'm just having trouble finding things that have been holding my interest. Um, I'm really excited because the new Harvest Moon's coming in the mail sometime this week. Um, and you know what? That's going to be relaxing after trying to get all my crap done for library school. Aren't you playing Sleepy Dogs? I have not started Sleepy Dogs. Scott oh. was the one who was playing Sleepy Dogs and he finished it. And I'm really mad at him because he didn't even let me try it first. Oh. It was my game, and he took it from me, and then he played it, and then beat it, and I haven't had the chance to play it. So I might start that up just because that actually might be something that I would have fun with, and that would kind of take my mind off of all the crap I deal with. Well, when you're <laughs> done I, playing it, be sure to tell me some of the strange Cantonese phrases that you learned. 
all the kids oh, didn't swear. Oh my god, like the game is so racist, Manny. Oh my god, the, whenever you see Does everyone sound like a bad Jackie Chan impersonator. Oh my god, yes. The, my favorite is like the foodies because they'll sit in their their bins yelling at you like, "Hey, come get my steam bun!" Only it'll sound like a oh, bad hey, Jackie you want Chan. A steam bun? We got your steam bun right here, buddy. You want hot dog? I got your hot dog. Terrible. <laughs> I mean, as somebody who like teaches Chinese. What are you talking about not being able to do accents, Manny? <laughs> oh, I go. Oh, wait, you never said good accents. I can do incredibly racist Asian accents, but you never said that. <laughs> I will remember I just, that next time I need you to do a horrible caricature because oh, you're I good can at do a great it. Long dong dong. Oh, sexy lady! <laughs> I love that movie. I can watch it like twenty million times. And it's oh, so casual funny. racism. You know what? That's the, probably what that game is. <laughs> but every time we'd sit down and play it, I'm like, Scott, this game is hurting me. It's hurting me so hard, especially as somebody who teaches Chinese kids almost every day. Is that day. the subtitle, Sleepy Dogs, Casual Racism, <laughs> Offense Simulator? <laughs> you know what? I hope that is. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, just it, it hurts me as much as watching uh, Scott play Assassin's Creed 2 when it was all the bad Italian accents. And hey, I would sit yo. there and go... Wow, they're not even speaking proper Italian, and at wow, least, at least they didn't sound like Sylvester Stallone. Hey, yo, I, I don't think you need to talk about it like that. You. Hey, we have gaps. You filled gaps. We filled gaps. Hey, yo. Oh my God! Whenever the the guy who comes on, he's like, "It's me, Mario." I wanted to like punch somebody so hard. <laughs> it's just like no. So you prefer, thought myself, you prefer Bob Hoskins' take on Mario? I just hey hey baby it's me Mario hey <laughs> I just like to forget sometimes that I'm Italian and then certain things pop up and then they reinforce the stereotypes and then I sit there and cry a little bit. So you I'm can gonna say, see if Joe Pesci can come to your house and cheer you up. It's a me Marcello. <laughs> hey, my last name means something awesome. Okay, it means hammer. So that's pretty badass. Marcello so, so, so you're Sam the Hammer. Um, I believe it's in Gaelic. My first name means princess. Princess yep. Hammer. Princess Hammer. Why is that so, not your SN on every website? I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. Did I already miss the final roundup? No, we're still doing it, sweet people. Oh, no. So apparently, so the final boss <laughs> in, uh, in Diddle Devil's Hall. <laughs> don't hurt no! Oh, we're still in the middle of the talk. Come back in 10 more minutes. No. But in any case, I haven't done anything new for the website. Um, I will hopefully, if I could beat Harvest Moon very fast, and apparently people seem to think I can do that, uh, I will try to have a review for Harvest Moon, a new beginning, as soon as possible. Will, and it, maybe be the Friday the, will it be the Friday the 13th Part 5 of the Harvest Moon series? Hush you. Oh, the one in space? That's my favorite one. No, part five is the one where it wasn't really Jason. It was some guy pretending to be Jason. Oh, so it wasn't the one in space? Everything's no, that was, better that was Jason space. X. The one like, where the holograms recreated. That was pretty good. <laughs> I like that one. I like the part, the part, the part where the lady took off her top. That was, that was, that was a good part. Right, right, right before Jason dunked her into liquid nitrogen and her head broke. Yeah, that was a good part. <laughs> I like that. You know. Halloween is tomorrow. We can talk about stuff like this. No, but we don't want to keep Sam for too long. She needs to get going. Yes, I need to be a good girl. Um, oh, and I was just going to talk about sleep. how I went to see the the ring in theaters by myself. 
one Halloween. That's precious. That a... I'm 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 running away now. <laughs> <laughs> that part where the girl came, came, she came, she came out of the well. I like that part. That good. In any case, good. That's not Paranormal was. Activity four. If the first three creeped you out, this one will do the same. And if they didn't, then it's more of the same. That part, the part where the chair moved. I like that one. <laughs> Bye, Sam. Bye, Bye Sam. Good night. Good night. Be good. Don't play too much Harvest Moon or you'll start counting sheep in the daytime. I already do that. <laughs> hmm. Okay, now that we've chased away the marshmallow, let's move on to Mr. Apps. Yay! What you doing, Mr. Apps? We were well, we just Vanny no. and I had this really long I'm not sure if it was a debate, but it was a very lively conversation about you and your apps and your devices and you missed well, basically it all. What I said was this <laughs> as I said that I'm the only way I'm gonna watch Star Wars episode seven is on my new iPad. That's right. It's the only way to go. Yeah. See, I'm topical. I said something that just happened. Well, yeah, and it's actually a lot happier than uh, talking about that hurricane, which is blasting the middle Atlantic. I'm really happy. Lucasfilms, I would call that a hurricane because it's a natural disaster. Nah. Oh, wow. Marvel's been – look at Marvel since Disney's got Marvel. They just let them do their own thing and they rake in the bucks. They're Didn't good. Disney own Marvel for one more day? I think it you did. No, it's, it's good. It's all it's right. So it's apparently awesome. it's gonna, this one's going to take place 40 years after the last game, and all the main characters that you love are really, really old, and they can't do anything. It'll be fantastic. That'll be. Manny, I'll just say that without George Lucas directing, there is hope. <laughs> I'm still <laughs> trying to figure out what happened in the, in the first trilogy. I, I'm lost. I mean, oh, like, I can tell you what one happened. through three. Uh, Luke, four love, Luke four Jabba's love child. That's what you need to know. All I know is that I got really interested when I saw Darth Vader, well, whatever his name was, becoming Darth Vader. That was kind of, like, interesting for ten minutes, and then it was done. Arms got chopped off. That was neat. You know, you so. mean that entire fight scene that could be summed up in the one minute where his legs and arms got cut off? Yeah, was, that was pretty fun. I want to see that again in slow-mo. Are you sure it wasn't in slow-mo already for the first 40 minutes? <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> it was only in it for three minutes, but it had Christopher Lee, and any movie with any bit of Christopher Lee can't be a complete loss. Ah, too much. Anyway, I have a sidetrack to that later, but it was Mr. App's <laughs> turn, so we should let him get at it. Yes. Well, I did review a game recently uh, that I did not like very much, and pe- some people didn't seem to appreciate that I didn't like it very much. Wait, wait, was oh, it yeah, actually didn't... a game that you didn't like because you like things that are weird? <laughs> no, it was a game that I didn't like because it was really awful. Okay, the killing me. What's this game? Mugen Souls. Whoa, what's going on over there? What's going on? Whoa, whoa. Yeah, what is going on? Are you? Is somebody being hit by the hurricane? <laughs> yeah, Mike. Here? Mike Miki was simulating the hurricane conditions in New York. <laughs> <laughs> he yes, wanted to be. Mike wanted to be topical was, too. He no, was jealous. I was, I was simulating the hurricane of GameFAQs users who expressed their discontent with Mr. Apps view oh, in the most oh. un. Apologetic manner possible. You no, know, dude, that your, your review. Right. I'll just say this right now. Your review is unprofessional. Those little girls <laughs> deserve more special attention from you. Uh, and how dare you say something negative about them? Because they're cute and they're small and they're Japanese. The, the only thing I, like. I want to say to them is, I want that forty hours of my life back. Would you? That's what I would like to say to them. <laughs> what, what game well, are we talking about? Well, for that review, right? So it's all good. <laughs> yeah. What, what game are you talking about? 
You gentles. Oh, you poor thing. You Oh, you were the one who reviewed. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> I heard like some go like my, uh, my my get my what's what's that website called? Gamefacts voice. Yes. <sighs> I have heard that on occasion people at Gamefacts can be extreme in the expression of their opinions. No. This is just a rumor though. Hmm. Well, I kind of, uh, you know, with I've kind of been riding along uh, spiritually in that whole PS3 RPG descent. We are so starved for uh, decent JRPGs on the PS3 or anything that isn't a first-person shooter RPG, I should say, that we, gr- you know, we grab at these, uh, uh, we grab at these. Um, Japanese RPGs that are coming out. They got the big eyes. They got the That's cute sad. Japanese characters, syndrome, and we man. go and we yeah. grab them and we buy them and we grab them. The wife. And then we put them in, and yeah, they suck. And and yeah, and there's and, and apparently I have like the lowest review for the thing too. Well, that's that's these people are insane. I, I I don't I don't understand how anyone enjoys that game. It was What's just the uh, Mike Michael. Oh, let's, uh, let's take a look real pull fast. Pull it up. Yeah. Mugen. Mugen something or other. Super Mugen Souls, 56%. So you're not too oh, bad. okay. All right. Yeah, so, you're okay. There we go. It so, just, yeah. it just yeah. shows up. Well, oh, wait. You gave it a one. Holy cow. You weren't kidding. <laughs> wow. Oh, five, five from other sides counts as a one on ours. Yeah. It says the little review in quotes, but, but you uh, IGN gave it a three Nine, which awful. which is basically a one for IGN. I mean, yeah. yeah. So like, if you think you're the low one on this one, man, you're. <laughs> well, one out of five. You don't get any lower than that, but yeah, yeah. yeah don't negative. negative. Well, I mean, t- let's take a let's go a little bit further back in the past and go to another crappy PS3 RPG that a certain Mr. Willis reviewed back a few years ago when it was thrust <laughs> upon him by the powers right. that be at RP Gamer editorial staff. Let's go look at Cross Edge. Let's see here. Phil, you sound kind of edgy. <laughs> yeah. Well, just a little bitter, huh? Yeah, Cross Edge got a... Yeah, are you cross with this game? Huh. Hey, <laughs> our review is an indexed on there. Let me see what I gave it on the site. How rude. So it got a 51%. So yeah, it seems that these things are just kind of holding their own there. Let's let's, uh, let's see what the official <laughs> review... Oh, whoa, what what the heck? What, what, since when did RP Gamer's site start bringing up all this crappy MySpace advertisement that pops all over my screen? Wait, wait, wait. Uh, don't, don't ask. It's been there for a while. Oh, my. Guys, it hold just the phone. Threw MySpace still exists? Well, that's what it looked like. I closed it real fast because it looked kind of like a big virus blowing up on my screen. So I've got a Green Mountain Coffee thing that wants to expand if I touch it. I, I, I just reinstalled my hard drive, so I know I don't have any viruses. I don't want to start now. Thanks to – yeah. Okay, here we go. Uh, two out of five. I give it a two out of five. Oh. So, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, so you and I, Mike, let's give each other a virtual high five for surviving through a couple of crappy uh, PS3 RPGs. Uh, yeah, there we go. All yeah, right. Like, uh, I really hated this game, and some people seem to think that, oh, it's listed too much grinding as one of the names that, you know, oh, I just don't get this type of game. Uh, <sighs> you, know, just, you know, despite if you go and look at my history of reviews, you might see some, you know, Disgaea reviews in there. Uh, that might 
I don't know, well, suggest they, that this might, should be my kind of game, perhaps? Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing that you generally, when it comes to NIS titles, are at the very least tolerant and possibly even adulatory with, with regard. So something apparently was different about this game. Yeah, it was yeah. bad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, like, despite all the, you know, this was censored before it came in here and everything, I went in this with an open mind, absolutely willing to like this game. And it is just not a good game on so many levels that it's just... Okay, Okay, Mike, I got the the test for you here, buddy. To see whether or not it's just you're tainted about this one game and your your JRPG senses have just fled from you. What did you think about Hyperdimension Neptuna MK2? I have not played that yet. What? Go, go and play it right now so you can tell me how good or bad it is. Okay. Because it's bad, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, it, it was the same thing with Hyper Dimension. <laughs> I, I had played that for a bit, and I was – because I had saw some good reviews on it, some decent reviews. Um, Not like super, you know, 10 out of 10, but 7 out of 10, 6 out of 10. I'm thinking, oh, JRPG, this, you know, this this could be kind of, you know, kind of, oh, my gosh. And then when I wrote, you know, some, some things about it on the internet, I got the same kind of like, well, you just don't understand the humor. You you know, it's Japanese quirkiness. Hey, I love Power Rangers as much as like, this is not, no, this is not fun. It just, but, you yeah. know, come on, that's the ultimate argument, right? If you don't like something, you just don't understand you don't it understand. on this deep yeah. level that I do. Yeah. I you don't absolutely. get it. You're not sophisticated enough to understand why this bad movie is actually so good. <laughs> like, you don't get why Tom Green is actually a brilliant comedian. He's anti-comedy. It's anti. anti- he's playing on your expectations of. You're not laughing because he wants you to not laugh. You don't get that. Yeah. I know it's tired, but at the, at the end of the day, man, you're just. I mean, that's what a review is. It's your perspective, and we have to trust Phil. And we have to trust Michael, and we have, we get to know these people. And if you guys don't like it, you yeah. don't like it, and that's okay. Yeah, like if if you want this, this is this is my honest to god opinion of this game. What I put on that page there, and if you need to see what else I enjoy playing, read some of my other reviews. Read the Disgaea Four reviews, and that's. From the same publisher. I, I think what's really a similar zany story. I think know. what's really what's really sad is when you play these games, uh, you know the Cross Edges and the Hyper Neptunas and the Mugen Souls and whatever have you. Uh, I mean, the ones that I've played in this in this in this bucket that just seems to be getting bigger of crappy PS3 JRPGs. Um, we call it the Idea Factory. Yeah, bucket. the Idea Factory. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's just the, the what crap. Kind of, what kind of a few of these ideas come out of. Oh man, it's just the graphics are bad. The 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 the, the battle systems are like a jumbled mess. Just kind of throw it. There's there's turn based in there somewhere, but uh, they're not balanced. They're just uh, there's just not a lot of thought put into them. That's exactly right. That's this game summed up right there. It could be played on your, except for the fact that the uh, aspect ratio is, you know, for an HD TV and the resolution's probably up there. It could have been played on the PS2. I mean, the ones that I played yeah. in, and the... And the, the well, this one this one is a little better, it's a little better. graphic-wise. Man, it's just... I mean, yeah, some of the cell shade, you know, the, the, the pictures of the characters and stuff are really sharp and stuff, but then I don't even get motion on them. Like, when they talk, it's just a still shot of them. It's like, come on, it's a 21st century. Where's my animation? Come on. I will say people. this though. Um, well, let me ask this though, at least. So, um, yeah. this game is clearly for a very specific audience, right? <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I, I'm asking this legitimately, honestly. It's for a very specific audience. Do you think it it meets at least those expectations for that group of people? 
No, I don't. I, I, okay. I honest to God, I don't. Like, because you know, I'm, I'm trying to throw you know because uh, you, I think ten thousand gate facts reviewers can't all be wrong, right? Well, I'm saying like you already know if this is the kind of game for you, and I'm wondering if for those kind of people, does it even meet those expectations? And you're saying no, not even then. Not even then. I mean, obviously, some people are supposedly enjoying it, but you know, I looked at this game from. Looking at this game from a like a surely purely um, like gameplay perspective and how that's all balanced and everything, it's 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 garbage. Okay, so that's, I mean, I was, I was trying, like I said, I was trying to play the benefit of the doubt here. And even if you're <laughs> yeah. a, or a Moe fan, even on a gameplay level, you won't be satisfied. No, I don't. I, I even if you're super into the Moe, uh, like there's a gameplay system in here called Moe. Uh, no, you won't be. Okay, what about this? Okay, I'll give another scenario to give these people a benefit of the doubt again. Okay, I really like Moe a lot, and is the yes. story enough to carry me through, even if I hate the gameplay? Um, at first, and then it kind of, kind of not really. Like, at first, it was like, oh, this game is kind of bleh, but, you know, the story is kind of funny and ridiculous, and then it kind of veers off the cliche cliff we'll, I'll, I'll say like they add way too many characters who are way too many different annoying cliches and it just gets really annoying all right so there you go i gave i gave this game two benefits of doubt and two extreme cases and even then he still doesn't like it so leave this guy alone God. yeah this is this is what i will say if this if this is the kind of game you think you really want and you really like do this instead play disgaea Choose anyone. I I kind of like them all. The earlier ones, not as much. But play Disgaea. Play the Atelier PS3 games, which seem which are games that seem to have a similar budget, but are mechanically leagues better. You know, there, there's. I know there aren't a lot of these releases, but there are ones out there. Go, that, go back and play Eternal Sonata. No, just just anything <laughs> but this. Yeah. Yeah. It just. It's it's not a good game, and it, it's not it's not helping our cause of trying to get more games like this over to buy this. You know, I know it kind of seems like oh, we should just get anything like this that comes over because there's that much. It's like you're paying your rent. It's like protection money. If you want more of these, you gotta you gotta yeah, pay them now. <laughs> it's really it's really not the case. And there's a lot of there's a lot of better games, maybe better portable games, which aren't really as popular here. That tank. And that nobody's really paying attention to, and so. All right, fair enough. So, you know, look, look, follow our website. We follow tons of these RPGs. There's a, a lot other of other stuff you could be playing. You know, so keep I, on reading RPGFan.com for the latest news on Moog yes, and Soul. Wait, wait, RPG <laughs> Fan! Oh my gosh! Oh my god! I gotta edit that out. Holy cow! What what, what minute marker are we on? <laughs> Oh my goodness, Emmanuel Marino! Oh my! Goodness. I'm sorry, but they review adventure games. We don't have review adventure games. I want, how are you supposed to know how good The Walking Dead is unless we? Talk? Oh, sweet mercy! I can't believe you went there. Yeah. Oh my gosh! But Whew. you know, I I will say this about Mugen Souls. I understand why NIS brought it over, and clearly their translators did the best they could with it. And I really. You kind of feel sorry that it even had to deal with this game, but you know, uh, it, it, there's got to be better stuff they could be bringing over. I, like I, I, like I, Criminal yeah. Girls. 
let's 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 not even go there. Just yeah, I heard the nice selection. There. The Hollywood video. <laughs> There's got to be some better games that they could bring over. You know, I don't know. This 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 game made me depressed. This game made me want to drink. Honest to God. And then and then I got to play Silent Hill Book of Memories for review, and that was a lot better. That's an RPG. It is. It's a it's a dungeon crawler that actually you know at first glance you'll think oh this is just like a Silent Hill Diablo clone, but it, it, it's actually a lot more interesting than that, and kind of brings in a bit of roguelike elements into the mix. I played a little bit is at uh, Run to the Sun. Uh, we yeah. all thought it was interesting. It was yeah like. Like, I think you came in, you said earlier you came into this game without any of the baggage of being a Silent Hill fan. Right. And the same thing with me. So I came in there just sort of like expecting, not only just not with the baggage, but also expecting like a really bad game. And I yeah. played him like, there's some interesting things going on here. A lot yeah, more there, than I was expecting. Yeah, there's some really interesting elements. I feel like it kind of brings in maybe not the horror, like this game isn't really going to scare you, but it kind of brings in the survival element where, you know, all your... What about psychological your... horror or tension? Any of that? Uh, not really. Okay. But I, I don't think it really tries to for the most part. Uh, the oh. story, the, the story, you know, is kind of... It's a jumbled mess, right? As you piece together these, these, these yeah, books Yeah, that's, the, that's kind of creepy and interesting. I, I like the way they did that, although I wish there was a bit more of it, but, you know, that's kind of interesting. But, you know, this, the survival element is pretty cool, where basically, um, you know, all your weapons are going to slowly break break down. Uh, you have very limited in- inventory space. Like, at the start, you can only carry one, well, two one-handed weapons or one two-handed weapon, and that's it. You know, there's no backpack space to carry any weapons, so... You know, if you're you have a gun and you see a cool looking axe or something, you basically have to leave the gun behind and take that with you. And you know, all the weapons break down as you're using them, so you have to be careful with that and use repair kits and you know, especially with some of the rare items. So it's kind of like I said, it kinda of takes that whole sort of roguelike element to it where you have limited resources that you have to manage to get yourself through this, although it's obviously a lot more for- forgiving than a lot of those games are. And, you know, there's a random randomized element to it where the, the, the levels are randomized where each of the different rooms are. So, you know, it, it's, I mean, it's not, the, it's not inc- an incredible game, but it's, it was a lot of fun. It definitely does some pretty interesting things that I like to see some more games experiment with. Like, so, uh, how long would you say the experience is? Because um, we, we got the idea that it could be endless if you wanted it to be. But... It can be. Uh, to beat the main campaign, I'm going to just guesstimate and say it was maybe a little over 10 hours, maybe a little less. I don't think there's a game clock. Um, but after that, you can keep doing randomized levels all the way up to level 500. Like uh, the main oh campaign boy. is yeah, the main campaign is 21, and it goes. I guess the level select goes all the way down to 500, and they apparently there's some kind of Easter egg if you actually make it down that far. So wait, wait, how many hours again did you say? About 10 for the just for okay. the initial playthrough, and then you know if you want to dive in. Did yeah. you play it all with friends at all? Uh, not really. Or just I'm anyone probably, online, for that matter. I, I haven't really tried that yet. I'm probably going to do a bit of that before I write up the review, just to just to get a feeling for how that is. But I, you know, especially diving into those endless levels seems 
like it could be really interesting. Yeah, if that if you if the play rate for your first twenty one levels stays the same, then you're probably looking at oh, I don't know, two hundred fifty hours or so <laughs> to go through all five hundred randomly generated levels. Yeah, like uh, each each level is basically you have to find these puzzle pieces. Uh, you basically go into this room; it'll have a blue orb, and once you hit it, you're gonna have to kill some enemies, possibly with certain conditions. So, uh, oh, uh, what class did you play? As I, when we played the demo, I was uh, I think half of us picked the bookworm, which is like a little a nerd in a sweater vest, a green sweater vest when you first start out. I, f- I forget. I think it might have been the preppy person or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it's, I selected. It's interesting. The different classes in this game, like instead of like wizard, mage, or you know, or thief, you have like bookworm, jock, prep, and goth. Yeah. <laughs> and each one has like different stats. Like the jock is has like good strength, and the prep has good charisma. <laughs> you know, so you know the, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's a pretty interesting element to it. And actually, in, another interesting thing is. To get like some special powers, you don't learn them as you level up or anything. That just like increases your stats. You actually have to buy them from the store, uh, which is actually you know another kind of element of the survival here is you're never really gonna have an abundance of money unless you like sell your rare items or something like that. So you kind of have to be careful, spend some money for toolkits to repair weapons and things like that. Uh, but but I was very careful and was able to keep some of the weapons I got from beating bosses like to the end of the game. So uh, if you're somebody that doesn't really like the idea of breakable weapons or something like that and losing a rare item, uh, it, it's really easy to, to avoid that. It's just a matter of you know keeping those toolkits handy and knowing when to uh, kind of run away and find some more if uh, your weapons are starting to get critical. So This reminds you know, me of Dark Cloud. <laughs> uh, it is de- it's, it's definitely not like Dark Cloud. That's a good and, thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, and you don't have to worry about combining items or anything like that that Dark Cloud had. So, you know, if you're looking for like a, you know, a, like a Diablo clone with lots of loot and stuff like that, this definitely won't be for you. And I wonder if kind of the ex- expectation of that is why some people didn't like this game. You know, and it it seemed from what I've heard, I guess a lot of reviewers just didn't kind of took a lot from the silent. A lot of expectation was based on the Silent Hill name, uh, which I, you know, having not played any of those, I can't really speak to. Uh, but I know that at least it has Pyramid Head in it, and he is a jerk. You know, I, I don't mind if when uh, because it was they never said it was going to be Silent Hill like six. Right. So I don't mind right. when like. Even like among my favorite series, if something is a, if a side story, you know, they want to experiment with the ideas and try a new. So I never that never bothered me. I mean, we just spent an hour talking about how Digital Devil Saga is a unique twist in the entire Mega Ten series, where they attempt a more traditional sort of Square Enix style role playing game, and it was successful because they tried that experiment. But you know, if there were people there saying, "How dare you get away from what SMT is?" <laughs> we might have never had this. Yeah, it's true. Uh, so so I, yeah. it sounds like this is a moderately successful experiment. Moderate. Yeah, yeah I, I would absolutely say that. It's definitely not going to be a 5 out of 5, but it will certainly not come close to Mugen's soul score. Gosh! Uh, it's like <laughs> the tone of your voice changed quite a bit between the two games. Uh, yeah, it really did. <laughs> so, so I don't think we even need to ask which one you enjoyed playing more because you already answered that. 
You do not. And I have also on the Vita, I've been playing the new East, which That's is... That's the remake of East 4, right? It is. And it is amazing. And you're the one who really actually touched the best. Turbo CD version of East 4, which I did not. I just played yes. Super Amazon one. Yes, I actually have a copy of that. But yeah, um, pray, pray that the new East makes its way over here because it is... It's a plays a lot like E7, only better. Oh, great! Can't wait to download that on my iPad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope not. Falcon doesn't seem to do much with Apple yet. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised we haven't seen E1 and 2 on the iPhone. That would work. Yeah, that that seems like a good fit. Fun, fun, fun. So good. I'm yeah. glad people are getting some use out of their Vitas. Yeah, so the moral of the story is if you want more Japanese games, buy a Vita and stop buying things like Mugen Souls. Oh, come on. Buying Mugen Souls tells people, I want more of this. I, so, I know. So for I, all I the know. people who have bought that, it's like giving NIS a license to print money, and that will probably encourage NISA to bring criminal girls over here. Now, isn't that a good thing? You no. know, I think NIS makes most of their money now is on merchandise. I'm not. Well, look at all the merchandising potential for criminal girls. <laughs> no, stop. No. Did you just say buy a Vita? Yes, I did. Oh, let's yeah, buy an iPad Mini. That's what he said. Yeah, an iPad Mini. Hello. I mean, a Vita. <laughs> I mean, God. But there's not enough. There's not yet enough good content, original content on the Vita. You either get, you either that get stripped down versions of game. I just read another review today. I'm jumping on EG, IG, and whatever it's called. I'm looking for Assassin's Creed Three on the Vita. What do I get? It's this? pronounced Ijin. Yeah, Ijin. <laughs> and what do I see? The same thing I see about most Vita games. It feels like a stripped down version of the console counterpart. I thought oh, the whole point of you Vita. This one, oh, jeez. I thought the whole point of the Vita was that you basically have the power of the console in your hand. I understand that maybe the the you know the resolution won't be you know a 1080i, but why why do they keep making these games? Still. 1080i is garbage. You yeah. gotta get 1080p. Yo. Oh, go p whatever's. <laughs> go look up reviews of Gravity Rush. I've seen it. Gravity Rush was a pretty cool looking game, but it, it, it's like a sugar coated lollipop. You get sick of it after the first <laughs> first of all, five minutes. Why are we talking about any of this? And we all know what really matters today is that Grand Theft Auto Five is coming out in spring 2013. You know, I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying. And, and, and you get a couple of highlights. Uh, Gravity Rush is not a system seller. It's, it's cute. It's fun. It's pretty. It's quirky. It's fun for a few hours. In Los Angeles. It's not a system is. seller. I think it is a system seller, and I'm not just saying that because it has the same composer as Resonance of Fate. Oh, Imagine come Grand on. Theft Auto Five stories on the Vita. Now, Woo. Grand Theft Auto Five would be a system seller. Four kicked ass. Four was just I'm such sorry, a great experience from beginning to end. Easier. I'm not, I'm not being serious. I, I want to get a Vita. I, I want to get a Vita, but I need Sony to give me enough soft, original software to make me want to have a Vita. Because I think technically it's what I'm looking for because I'm, I, you know, I like the handheld units more than I like playing on the iPad. Not that I don't like my games on the iPad, but, you know, it's, it's when I want to play portable. I want to play a, a, a 3DS. I got games out the wazoo. What, where's... Are you gonna be able, you're going to be able to play PlayStation All-Stars on your Vita. <sighs> I mean, excuse me, I'm sorry. You'll be able to play PlayStation Smash Brothers on your Vita. 
No, instead, what I'm we get, what, what do we get? Returns on my iPad. And what do we get for RPGs? We get ports of what came out on the PS3. Oh wait, no, let's go back to the PS2. Well, <laughs> Phil, Phil, yes, we get a port of one of the greatest RPGs ever from the PS2. That's not how you sell systems. I can't, I can't complain about. I, I, I know that's not how you sell systems, but I am like excited for that port. That is, that is one port that I will not complain about in the slightest. No, I mean, I did... P- I did When's pers- it coming out? November 20th. I mean, I did Persona 3 on the PSP, and I mean, I'll tell you, I mean, you know, when you, whenever you're playing a game on the PSP, you knew that they were going to have to, you know, cut some corners somewhere. Um, Disgaea 2, I think, was the same thing. And, and But the corners on both those games were very small, little clippity corners. They weren't they weren't huge cutbacks at all. I think Persona 4, you're not going to have, you know, any corners cut back. It's going to be a better experience. It's going to be actually a, a little bit of a step well, up up for once. Um, yeah. uh, you know, I don't think you're going to feel like Persona 3 Portable where it was, we gave you a little extra content, but we had to take away some of the videos or voice. Well, no, the videos I think were all there, but some of the voice, whatever it was, they clipped out of there. Um, but here I think you'll get everything because the, the PlayStation Vita can pretty much, you know, handle everything with for a PS2 game. But, um, but they yeah. really need to step it up and bring some good original content and stop doing these half-ass, oh, yeah, it's got the Uncharted name, but it's not as good as Uncharted because it's boiled what? down. What? You be quiet. Yeah. That Uncharted was really good. I'm not saying it wasn't really good, but it wasn't it was Uncharted. Okay, yeah, it was okay. It was, but it, okay, but okay. It the, the, the level where you have to paddle the boat with the touchscreen <laughs> was stupid. And some of the other touchscreen stuff was awful, but Come on, when even you're at actually its best, running and is it, gunning, is it, it was good fine. As Uncharted 2, even at its best. No, no. There you go. That, I, mean, I think that's kind of the point, though, right? Yeah. Um, I want the console experience in my hand. That's what we've been longing for. This? See, that's that's. I think that's that's the problem. Is we're always chasing this console experience in our hands, and part of the what part of what the console. But when you weren't doing the touchscreen stuff, it was like. No, but just, I mean, like part the of the console. console experience is that you're in a, like a comfortable environment. You have a big TV. You're lying. You're like reclining in a comfortable chair. I'm and talking. No, I mean, I'm talking about. I understand. There's going to be limitations. It ain't going to be surround sound. It ain't going to be uh, an no, 80 inch screen, but. I want the same. I want the same. I want even uh, given the fact that it's a smaller screen, I do want high quality graphics. I want people to look at and go, "Ooh, I like they do my PlayStation Three when I'm playing a good game." And and I want to. I want games that have all the depth and the 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 the, the, the experience, not the experience Maybe, of the gameplay. The problem with that though is that is you're not in the same environment. People are playing the mobile games are often playing them on the bus. They're playing them. Between classes, so, so that means de- so that means developers can make games uh, that are pretty much like the console games, but stripping out a lot of the gameplay elements to make it a fast, you know, make it a simpler experience. Yeah, that's actually exactly what it means. <laughs> so, come on, man, we're talking Assassin's Creed. We're not talking like a you know a deep strategy yeah, game but or something. Do you really want to be stuck like in a fifteen minute cutscene while, while you're on a portable system while you're on the road or on the go? I'm or not talking traveling? about the cutscene. I'm talking about the gameplay. I want my complex go my complex gameplay while I'm on the road and traveling. Yes. I'm tired of these water I mean, that's down. Why so many of these games are turned into these tiny little chunks. I mean, look at like the GTA things. You would think, oh, great, GTA on a portable, it's going to be fantastic. And then what is it's like these five minute little missions. Like, I, I mean, I, I think, 
I, I think I'm maybe, okay with five minute little missions. I'm, I'm okay with some concessions, maybe. But I'm talking about, but I'm talking about if I can take out, if I can have eight different weapons that I can shoot and have partial cover mechanics on the console experience. I want those mechanics in my hand play. It may be a slightly different experience to to uh, deal with the fact that I'm playing on the go. Sure, that that part's okay. But when you start stripping out mechanics themselves just to make it simpler for the sake of you know making it simpler or shorter or whatever, that's that's where that's what I'm saying is the Vita's problem right now. I think it's like, but it's also like a matter of resources too. I mean, are you going to spend all that time and the money to get it ready for like potentially a smaller audience? And then, oh, how, I mean, no, there's no doubt. Going to play it. There's no doubt you're you're hitting the nail you're hitting the nail on the head. No, absolutely. The developers are cutting these corners. That's the that's the that's the heart of the matter. The developers are cutting but, all these corners to throw this I mean, stuff like, out there in the Vita. Why waste all that time when people are spending more time playing like Infinity Blade on their phone? Or, but it you know, it doesn't or, it doesn't necessarily need to be like something like development intensive. Like uh, if you look at Silent Hill: Book of Memories, that's obviously not a probably not a high budget game. I'm just guessing. I, you think? Um, but that creates um, a dungeon crawling experience equal to something you probably find. Well, most likely find on PC, but but you know why they they reached that point though is because they didn't they didn't approach it from let's make a Silent Hill on the let's make a smaller like Assassin's Creed three on the portable. They went the reverse and they say I want to make a let's make a Silent Hill game perfectly tailored to the Vita, like like in the Silent Hill universe. Period. And then they said, let's how do we build this for the Vita? And then eventually they said, okay, let's turn it into an RPG. Okay, let's make yeah. it top down. Okay, you know these sort of evolve as opposed to what Assassin's Creed was doing, which was like how do we fit this experience onto a Vita. And you yeah, know, wasn't so, it? What was that one game? Uh, it was not Metal Gear Solid. It was um, it was one of them shooter game, tactical recon, whatever deals. But it was made as a tactical game instead of a normally. Oh, uh, Killzone. No, it was a tactical. It was one of the release games for the uh, 3DS. I'm thinking 3DS now for some reason. But that one. Oh, um, uh, Splinter Cell. Yes, Shadow. Oh, Top Clancy. Shadow. Yeah, something. Some. Yeah. yeah. And you know, it when was, when um... the 3DS first came out, it had a similar problem in that its library is pretty anemic, and the games that were out there were either you know like they were releasing you know Sky Fox 64, which was like a two-hour experience because people Street were just... Fighter 4. Yeah, yeah, and people were Somehow... like. That whole thing on there, but you know that shadow, that shadow game, that tech, that was my first six months of having a DS, 3DS. That was the best game because you, you know, like me said, it was kind of made for, you know, that handheld experience rather yeah. than trying to recreate a ghost, a full Ghost Recon experience on the the handheld. Oh, it, absolutely! It was, and it was one of the higher rated games. I think. Released I think games. maybe that's the downfall of the Vita and some of the PSP was that it was always. You know, it was always a console in your pocket, and then people felt like they had to make a console version, but portable, rather than what works for a Vita and what works for a PSP. Exactly. And then the Japanese developers went the opposite route, and that's how we got so many good PSP games that way. Like, if you you look at the uh, Monster Hunter PSP games, which actually, you know, obviously uh, became rather big, uh, it it doesn't look like they... uh, what am I trying to say here? They managed to fit the whole experience of the console game uh, onto the PSP without really... Uh, I lost my train of thought. Uh, they fit that whole game on the PSP and then kind of tailored it around the multiplayer experience you know, using the PSP. So, uh, and eventually the console games just became ver- better versions of the handheld, uh, handheld game. And it went exactly. in the opposite direction. Exactly. But I see what you're saying. I mean, it's just I I think just Western devs 
I guess a lot of devs in general just think Vita, okay, it's like a small PS3. Well, now we need to make, here's our Resistance game. It's just like the big Resistance. Here's our uh, Kill Zone. It's just like the big Kill Zone. Here's our Assassin's Creed, which is just like, you know. And of course, they're always lesser experiences. They don't have the team, they don't have the money, and then you have to make them bite sized and chunks so people can play them on the go. I think that's. Yeah, the so. So, publishers, hire Way Forward some more. That would be nice. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard, man. It's hard. It, it is. It, well, it is. I think the problem is is that you know, like Manny was saying, is that some of these cores are getting cut because you know they don't want to invest too much into you know the Vita for the reasons that Manny listed. But and I don't know. I I don't know the scientific reasons. I'm not taking polls or anything. But I know for me, it's turning into and this is kind of a little problem with the PSP for the first few years. But it's turning into a self fulfilling prophecy. I won't buy one because they're cutting the corners in the games. But they're buying they're cutting the corners in the games because there's not enough of these things being sold. Right. So it's kind of becoming. You know, uh, I mean, yeah. look at look at 2K. They put like a Borderlands on iOS tonight because they said that's where the audience is. You can spend like maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars, put out a game here quickly, make a lots of make lots of money, then move on to the next one. You know, short like three month turnaround time. Uh, yeah. There's right. just some games that just I I am not a big I just I can't stand those games that use the virtual joystick and buttons. Oh, this one's like top down. It's like oh, different okay. kind of style. <sighs> Man, cause man, those those little. But I hear what you're saying though, because I think the alternative would have been just to make Borderlands on the Vita, right? And instead, we're getting Borderlands top-down tactical game on iOS, mm. like five dollars. Interesting. I think I remember hearing some, seeing some kind of article somewhere where they talked about possibly Borderlands on Vita, but they would need Sony's help or something. I don't remember <laughs> seeing that. It might have been for a different series. So when is that going to happen, though? Uh, probably never. But you know, that's what. Sony really needs to get their internal studios behind the system, you know. I wonder uh, if they're just too busy getting ready for the launch of the next PlayStation console. I guess, maybe, I don't know. But, you know, you got like, uh, I'm trying to think of some of their studios. Yeah, because it seems Duck. like all hands are either making uh, <laughs> the fifth version in, a, in the trilogy of <laughs> God yeah, of War what, 5 or something, and the other half Su- making next-gen titles. What about Sucker Punch? What they haven't. They've been pretty quiet since Infamous Two. Oh, I bet you they're making something for next gen. Probably, uh, but I don't know. It's, it's, you know it's, it's, we need I a mean, chat for this. Is uh, is EIC Michael Cunningham because that is Mr. Vita, <laughs> and he seems to be pretty yes. happy. Like Back on Lock Online, which is very much made for the Vita. Yeah, I just uh, started playing that today, and it's a very nice looking game. Seems like it could be a nice little. Nice little fill-in since it it looks like Monster Hunter will be on Just Nintendo like right systems from here Hunter. on out. So, yeah. Uh-oh. So yeah, one way or another, I think Sony really needs to put some money into developing some good software for it. You know, I mean, I know they got the the Uncharted game there, which was, you know, I'll admit it was wasn't as good as I was hoping, but I I thought Sony Ben did a pretty good job. Uh, so maybe just give them more resources to, to make a, another nice Uncharted game there, you know? I don't know. But they, but they have to do something, and they're, they're definitely not doing enough. You know, thing, things like, oh, you can get, you know, you can play PlayStation All-Stars on here against your friends, too, and, you know... The new Sly Cooper will be on PS3 and Vita. You, you need more than that, you know? 
I don't think you're going to get a lot of people over here wanting to buy a Vita just because they'll, you know, they'll get a free copy with the PlayStation version of some of these games. Yeah. You know, that copy's free, but the Vita's still $250. Plus memory card. Plus memory card, and those are freaking expensive. That's the other. Oh, that's the other so thing that's expensive. really. That's the other thing, honestly. That that's been holding me back, is because yeah. I know me. I I always regret not having a big enough card, so I'll always get the biggest one available. It's the same thing with my iPad. I just had to have the one with the most memory. But you know, gosh, it's a uh, it's, gosh, it's expensive. Like what is it? Still like over hundred dollars for the thirty-two gig? Uh, like, you could. If you shop around the line, you, I got mine for cheaper than that. Isn't it like if 80? you shop around the line, but it, it's something it close to there, yeah. Let's see here, thirty-two gigabyte Vita memory. Oh, yeah, eighty bucks. Yeah, that, that's another thing too. It's it costs too much. Yeah. You know, plain and simple, two hundred fifty dollars is not going to work. <laughs> yeah, plus eighty. <laughs> well, you're not going to be getting yeah, a price drop 80. anytime soon. I don't think Sony. No. They, they said so themselves. They can't really afford it right now, right? Something like that. But they can't afford not. To. Oh, I'm sorry. Sounds <laughs> 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 like you're turning a movie trailer there, Phil. I'm telling you. Well, you know, I mean, uh, if they ran some 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 sales, it might not hurt. I mean, I know. I was reading that article. I don't know if you saw it, Manny. It was in uh, where did I see it? I don't remember. It was about Steam and Steam sales and stuff. But how when these people put their games on sale for like a buck or two bucks or three bucks on Steam, they'll sell a kajillion copies, and and so they'll make a lot of quick cash that way. But what's very interesting is when the game goes back on the retail price. Uh, I remember reading about this one developer that was selling 400 of their game a day, but after they did a Steam sale, um, they sold like 40,000 copies during the sale. But what's really interesting. Afterwards, they were selling like 800 copies a day at the normal retail price. The spike still mm. goes up because uh, you want either your friends have it and you want to join them, or you finally hear about it from other people who bought it. But now it's full price. And you're like, oh, whatever, I have some money. Like I, I know the Torchlight people, Runic Games, have had some similar successes, where it's just sale puts you on everyone's puts you on everyone's radar, and everyone starts talking about you. So even after the sale's gone, that buzz is still there, and people still want to play. Play right. Yeah. So, yeah. Of course, Origin, the people who run Origin think that sales devalue the cost, devalue games, right? Haven't they been doing a lot of sales, though? Isn't that what they said? The lead guy of Origin was angry, or was that Gog? Someone was upset. Yeah, one of those guys, yeah. I mean, yeah, and I, yeah, I mean, I know Gog runs, you know, sales too, so it can't be Gog, but it's probably Origin or one of those other ones that are running competitive with Steam. Boy, have we gone all over the whole gamut of <laughs> video game subjects that probably had very little yeah. to do with retro gaming, but so, hey, that's... So, Digital Devil Saga. Yeah, Digital Devil, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Mr. Minky, maybe you're playing a retro game. <laughs> uh, actually, yes. I've been playing something Mr. Apps is familiar with, I know. It's called Spicoden 3. Yes. I actually haven't played that one yet. You haven't. That's, I have not. That's astounding to me, considering that you are so vocally pro Suicoden. Well, when you play the second one, that can happen. I already played that. Play. Did okay. you not notice that I reviewed that a couple I did. weeks ago? I did, and I was okay. glad that you did enjoy it. Maybe not yes. as much as me, but that's okay. Yeah, my major beef was that the army battles were kind of boring most of the time. Not terrible, but it, it honestly reminded me of NES era strategy games for a little while. 
Other than that, though, I know the translation just does not feel as awful as it seems to be legendarily renowned for. Um, but we'll have a chance to discuss this in greater detail in a couple in a couple of sessions. Wait, Suikoden three is known for having a terrible translation. Suikoden two. Okay. Suikoden three has a good translation. Yeah, I rather enjoyed it when I played it a long time ago. Did you play any others? No, just three and a bit of and like half of like like probably most of one. Yeah, one is pretty short. I beat it completely in twenty three hours. Hmm. Um, yeah, three is long, relatively. Uh, I I don't know how long it's going to take me to finish the whole thing, but uh, I'm, I just completed the second chapter of Ghetto. Haven't done anything with Chris, but I finished Thomas and Hugo, and I've got twenty eight, twenty nine hours on the clock. Um, other than that, I just reviewed Code of Princess, which the plot is. Way, way, way overinflated, and there's too much equipment in the game. But if you just want to beat the crap out of people, this is your. This will give you your fix. I've been fixed. I've been beating the crap out of people. I, I got. I got that. So yeah, I. Re- yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's it's cute for yeah. I mean, I I haven't played it a long time. I mean, I've, I've probably sunk maybe three hours into it. I mean, so far. Um, totally agree with your view. Pretty, pretty good game. Not gonna, not gonna win any stellar awards, but yeah, just for running around and beating crap here and there and stuff. Sure, why not? Yeah, I, I have to compare it to Guardian Heroes because a lot of the same people worked on it. And Mr. Apps, I know, is familiar with Guardian Heroes. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And, again, and you, you Phil, you could no, you don't have an Xbox, so you can't get the Xbox Live version or the Saturn version. That means you're SOL for it. SOL. It would have been. Uh, I think the gameplay could be a little, uh, a little on the tighter side. Um, I'm trying to pull off my combos. Some of the times they don't work. It moves kind of slow for that kind of genre, but a um, little bit. Yeah, that does allow you a pretty big move set for every character, though. Well, yeah, when they work. Yes, I'll just... give you that. the The D pad. Maybe it's just my D pad. The 3ds D pad is given me minor issues from time to time. I, I went down yeah. to using the lower, you know, the lower cross pad, whatever that's called, versus circle. the circle pad at the top. You know, yeah, I the guess D-pad. the D pad. Okay, so yeah, I've been using the I've been using the D pad just to pull off the combos. Uh, I mean, most of the time it works, but sometimes it doesn't. It just feels a little on the on the slow side. But pretty kind of yeah. cute. That I like watching the the you know the the dialogue like once, but once is more than <laughs> yeah. enough. And then when that's you go why to, you have the ability to hold the R button yeah, down to, and speed through it. I, I would have preferred just to skip but it, that would have been nice that would have been nice but yeah you got to watch them be squeaky. But we can't always have nice things now can we? do you know what happens when you have squeaky care squeaky uh, squeaky jrpg female characters that you do in fast forward it get even higher pitch than normal yeah <laughs> yeah phil Stay away from the Alvin and the Chipmunks recording booths. Ooh, I'm telling you, it's just uh, that that part's a little crazy. And I didn't realize that that thief character was a girl until I got the bard, and the bard kept calling it a her because <laughs> it looks like a guy to me. Though it is, though she is kind of wearing the Etna flat chest bra. Um, she looks kind of like an NIS disguily, doesn't she? But but it definitely. I mean, but the features just seem more more male than female overall. Yeah. So. It didn't start. I mean, like Etna, Etna looks like a girl, even though she's flatter than a surfboard. She looks like a girl. 
this this thief person, I'm telling you, just uh, you know, with the even with the whole leather top thing going on, it still looks like a. Anyway, we digress. What else, Mike? Uh, currently, I'm playing something that you can't get. You can't play it for another week. Gasp. It's called Paper Mario Sticker Star. Sticker oh, that Star? is not fair. I hate yeah, that. bad Minky. What? No, I, oh, I refuse oh. to. I refuse to say anything negative. If you, you can't play it. When did you get I a 3DS anyway? Ah, I want to play that. I didn't know you got a 3DS. When did you get a 3DS? Uh, about six months ago when my regular DS, one of the hinges broke. Uh, it works. It worked fine, but I had to keep propping this top screen up so it wouldn't fall out. That was... And then I sold it to some guy in Brazil. Happy him. Oh, jeez. You sold him a broken DS. I told him up front what was going to happen. Oh, I'm sure and... you did. Yeah, he he paid me something, which is better than the nothing I otherwise would have gotten for it. And yeah, I think that's all I've been playing. Um, I I would like to give a shout out to Looper, which is not necessarily raking in big bucks, but for the people who see it, not only you will get will you get to see Bruce Willis kick major amounts of ass the way he sometimes does, but you will get a very deep and interesting sci-fi premise too. Well executed, I thought, with really good effects considering its budget. And I would like to give a big thumbs down to The Old Man in the Sea, which was adapted in 1958 starring Spencer Tracy out of an Ernest Hemingway book, in which somebody decided the best way to adapt this book is to have Spencer Tracy just read wholesale passages over it while things happen on screen. Because that's the best way to adapt a book, right? Just have people read from it. <laughs> Plus, he, pl- he plays the lead. And he's narrating the third person, which raises the question, is Spencer Tracy narrating his own past life? Is he simultaneously the lead character and an omniscient narrator? I don't get it. And the the story itself just doesn't adapt well to a movie. It's an old man who goes out fishing, and he eventually catches a really big fish and takes it back, and that was his big, big day. That's the story. It doesn't work well as a movie. So, no. Spencer Tracy got nominated for Best Actor that year. That must have been a really, really rotten year for nominations because he's been a lot better in a lot of other things I've seen him do. This was... Oh, and also Ernest Hemingway hated him in the part because he weighed, oh, I don't know, close to 300 pounds and he was supposed to be playing an aged Cuban fisherman who had never known a full meal in his life. So, no, I was not particularly pleased with that. And I'll also give one more shout-out to all the president's men which is just riveting. Uh, it helps if you know something about what Watergate and President Nixon were, but even so, you can just go Watergate. into this. Wait, Watergate, is that something like AntennaGate when my iPhone 4 didn't work properly? <laughs> exactly, Manny. It, only it was exclusive to a certain residence in Washington, D.C. So it was not many people heard about it, and it's apparently long forgotten now. Yeah, Gate, because whenever something's a scandal, you add Gate to it. So AntennaGate, They haven't had many gate. scandals late. Hard drive gate. <laughs> Mugen Souls gate. Oh, map gate. Don't forget map gate. That's the Mugen most important Souls gate of all. Because you see what happened was, was – was, see, I was trying to go to the local Starbucks and instead it took me to a Noah's Bagels. I was very upset. Danny, very upset. I think you have just described an incident that could form a soul-searching novel. You've got the book of your lifetime written and just waiting to be pulled out. I know. See, I – Noah's bagels, pumpkin spice lattes just aren't as good as Starbucks. I was very, my day was ruined. Napgate ruined I, I feel my your day. Pain. I, I feel do. I, pain. I mean, it's the worst thing that could happen to a person. Uh, I don't know if I can continue, man. 
this is just such a downer that it's going to make me, I'm going to have to jump through that window right over there and get the pain out of my mind with something else, man. I w- I'd also like to recommend the movie. It stars Mila Jojovovich. It's Resident Evil, and it's very good because she has a sword. The original one? Up. I never saw the original one. Very I only saw the fifth one. Which and Vin Diesel is a fantastic actor, and I loved him in, in, in Riddick. It was good. There was a time when I didn't care for Vin Diesel. That time has passed. Uh, now I respect him much more. On the other hand, I have yet to understand what people see really in Keanu Reeves. And my favorite part of Transformers oh. is when the big robot blew up. I like Transformers a lot. It's funny because the, the, the jokes are racist. <laughs> well, Manny, I got to tell you, I've only seen the Transformers movies with the help of Rift Tracks, and I will never watch them solo because I hate them that much. <laughs> anyway. <sighs> Actually, let, yeah, let me give a shout out to Rift Tracks while I'm at it. Guy from Harlem. Go watch that. Oh, jeez. Hey, hey, we, hey, we blew the take. Oh, keep going. Keep going. They blew a lot of takes in, Har- in Guy from Harlem. It's kind of like someone was filming a porno, and they, the actual porno moments were edited out, and what you get is the rest. So uh, th- think, of, think of the quality of acting and the caliber of uh, script writing that would be evident then. <laughs> I agree. Twilight New Moon does look fantastic. Probably can't wait to watch part two. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're behind uh, the times, Manny. That's part two. We're on part five now. I'm gonna No 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 in theaters coming soon. I'm gonna I'm gonna Oh go. you're gonna go for the whole marathon? You're gonna watch all five of them in a row? Man, I'm gonna go and chuck up my cookies and then I'm gonna go find some more Oreos to eat so I can chuck up some more cookies. <laughs> Yes, yes, My yes. My favorite All band right. so, the song for that soundtrack. I'm so depressed. I do have one question before we wrap this up. Just one quick question. Don't turn it into a 30-minute diatribe. Oh, here comes 30-minute diatribe. Are you still doing your kung fu with your lovely wife? Uh, well, that's been on uh, hiatus for about two, about a month or two. Um, oh, all right. She, uh, we, my, both of our jobs, my, they sent me out of town for like several weeks in the two-month period. And then when I got back, my assistant quit. So I've been working super long hours. So, I, but I told her we got to either go back or at least, you know, figure out a different form of exercise. But, it, you know, we're right now we're just trying to get to a point where we can breathe in, again in our lives with our jobs. The, the uh, banes of being salaried, you know. Well, well, at least try to practice at home because once it's once you get out of the loop, it's sometimes it's hard to get back in the flow. I'm telling you. Um, oh, you're right. It's Breaking Dawn Part Two that's coming out soon. Oh. Breaking Dawn. You're not my, ready my, for my it. My fit character is very bad at getting this facts right. But um, I'll wait for the riff tracks. Uh, let's and, and that will make my day. There you go. Well, um, aside from looking up and almost getting an iPad mini, but said no, it's just a little too expensive for what it does. Um, I um, uh, Let's see here. Uh, I've been playing that princess game that we've been talking about, Go to Princess. Kind of a cute little beat-em-up. And... Um, and you pre-ordered your tickets for Star Wars Episode Seven. And... That's right. Got to get my. Well, speaking of, yeah, I told you I had like a callback, you know, a, a, a you know, a fall or something related to that. Um, I um, I downloaded Knights of the Old Republic, or no, just the Old Republic. Star Wars: The Old Republic. Yeah, no knights. <laughs> 
So yeah, that one's going free to play. So I, I looked into it. I didn't realize it hasn't quite got there yet. It's not free to play yet, but you can play kind of like World of Warcraft. You can play up to like level 15 or 20 for free. And then uh, it's only 15 bucks to get into it now. I remember when it first came out, 60 bucks. So um, I'm just uh, farting around right now. And I played, I don't know, to level three or four. Um, yes, last night. And, you know, really cool Bioware esque beginning i mean it was like a 10 15 minute beginning between the intro and the when i picked my character class the jedi and it's going through all of that you know i had to go get my popcorn and my coke you know they really ham it up but then when you get into the game lots of voice acting got the bot you know the mass effect type choices at the bottom okay that's kind of cool uh but when you get out there and you're out there fighting it's like oh it's kind of world of warcraft sure i mean i kind of expected that i mean i'd read the reviews and stuff but it felt really kind of. I think the two things that really kind of surprised me in a not so good way was the graphics seemed um, actually just didn't seem that good. In fact, they seemed about the level of maybe some of the older World of Warcraft stuff. And World yeah, of Warcraft's you, like eight or nine that's years because old. Because it has to scale. An MMO is big, and you have to have it let people play on the okay, laptop. Okay, you choice. say that until you play Guild Wars. And I play Guild Wars because, I mean, that's a beautiful, gorgeous MMO. It just takes my breath away. Yeah, but I also think they started making this game a lot earlier than they started making Guild Wars. Uh, well, I don't really care what their excuses are. I'm a gamer. I want happiness. I want pleasure. And quite frankly, the World of Warcraft Cataclysm, which is not Cataclysm, probably Pandaria, which is built you know, on that old, old architecture, looks better than Star Wars, which had oh, to have started a few years later. They've been slowly over time, though. Like, yeah, with Cataclysm, well, got a big rehaul. Yeah, but you, you have to admit, it's always easier to start from scratch than it is to build up on old architecture. You, know, you say that, but I don't – that art style doesn't actually really bother me. I, I like how what it's sort style? of uh, – what's it called? What are we talking like? about art style? The, the Old Republic's art style, which is sort of... Oh, I'm of, not talking about art realistic. style. I'm what? just talking about graphic quality. Oh, you're just talking and, about the resolution and stuff. Yeah, t- textures, polygons, wow factor. All right, I'm talking because the art style, that sort of half cell shaded half like sort of realistic but exaggerated look. Yeah, it's, like, kind, of, it's kind of the cartoony look, and that's, I, that's okay. I like yeah, World of Warcraft. I think it does well for games because it hides their age pretty nicely, and they, you know, they age a lot more gracefully than if they went like realistic, sort of like, like uh, APB or anything like that. I mean, I think Guild Wars 1 still looks, you know, pretty, um, though it does show its age in a couple of, you know, the outdoor areas. Well, just think of it this way, like the comparison of, like, look at something like Okami and then name its contemporaries, and Okami still looks fantastic. Yeah, cartoony styles. Yeah, I think World of War. I'm one of those silly people who think World of Warcraft still looks good. Oh, because they, it was, like I said, it was that slight yeah. stylization. Uh, but I got, into, I got into Star Wars, and I'm like, eh. Yeah, like like Saints Row, something like that, or, or GTA. Even GTA 4 started to look dated at this point. It was like... I and think, that was like impressive when that came out. And I think the the the, the controls felt a little stiff, but that you know, that, I, even a little bit more than World of Warcraft, which you know, when you play Guild Wars, everything's going to feel stiff because Guild Wars Two, everything's so fluid there, and you're it's kind of half action action half rpg almost because you're just where you're at is so important and you can dodge out of the way real quick whereas you know in in rpgs like world of warcraft once the monster starts the animation whether or not he's hit you has already been determined with a mathematical calculation um so uh, i mean granted so certain level stiffness is going to be expected but Meh. But I think I'll play it some more because I, I, you know, I, this story seems kind of interesting. Whether or not I can keep sloshing through the go kill ten Wookies, you know, or whatever, you know, types of quests, I don't know yet. But the, 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 you know, if you can, if you can slosh through those things, the story in between those, the, you know, it's, it's Bioware stuff. It's cool. Lots of voice acting. I'm so sick and tired of 
I, I I'm so sick and tired of quest at home voice acting. And I'm looking at my that's one my my one major detriment about questing and wow, I don't give a flying foot about the quest because there's no voice acting in most of them. They just start putting it in some of the newer ones. Bad wild people. Hmm. Did everybody drop off the call or is it just me now? Mm-hmm. We're oh, listening okay. to you. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it got kind of creepy for a second there, so... I've been playing He-Man on my iPad. The most powerful game in the universe. That's what it's called. Not the most powerful man, the most powerful game. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, speaking about control issues, but it is cute. Huh. Yeah, I love He-Man. I love old, old, old 80s cartoons, so... Um, that's kind of uh, kind of fun, but yeah, there's some good. Yeah, there's some. Um, been playing also some. Uh, is it Cthulhu? I think it's Cthulhu. One of those Cthulhu other. Cthulhu saves the world. Yeah, yeah. It's a. Uh, oh, drat! Where did I put my iPad at? I think it's Cthulhu. Uh, I don't remember. Huh? Oh well, it was too far back. That was on my flight back. Oh, and I. Well, I think I mentioned last time too. I was playing Tactics Ogre, which I'm still playing. So on the PSP. Good man. Oh, oh my gosh, PSP really came into its own those, boy the last few years. So I scooped up on a lot of good RPGs, and that was one of them. And boy, Soaker is so it, good. It is so much. I and I talked a little bit before. I don't know if you were on that last show. Were you on that last show, Mike? Where I was kind of bemoaning the PlayStation version. I don't, I don't think so. Okay, I really didn't like the the PlayStation version, which I think was just pretty much a straight port of the SNES original version. Um, that only came out in Japan, I believe, if memory serves properly. I don't think we ever got yeah, Tactics they, Ogre in the Super Nintendo. We did not. No. So I bemoaned on the last show the fact that when I played the PlayStation version, um, I really didn't like it because the leveling system was kind of messed up. Like the enemies you'd fight would generally be the level of the hero, but most of the time my other characters in the party would be one or two levels behind, and basically their effectiveness, especially if they were two levels behind, was pretty much null and void. So what you'd have to do is you'd have to set up battles with your own characters, which you could do. They had like a practice practice mode, which was so super exciting. So it is just so much fun and excitement to set your characters against each other and play them against each other that they actually had a mode for the AI to do it for you because they knew it was so exciting. So I, I can never get very far in that game because of the strategy. I'm sure it had a good story. Everybody keeps telling me it has a good story, but I couldn't get past the fact that the, the, the whole force leveling you know thing just drove me crazy. But in, in the PSP version, oh, it is so corrected. It is so yeah, – yeah, with the whole – now it's class-based leveling. So if you level this one character and he's a fighter, all your fighters you know level up. The skill points are split evenly, and the people who are a few levels behind, one or two levels behind, which I do have, you know, a few in my group, as I discover, you know, new classes, they're going to start off at level one, and at level one, they're pretty, uh, yeah, they're pretty behind, and, and they're only, they're pretty worthless, and the enemy, <laughs> the enemy likes to go after your level one person and kill them <laughs> off as quickly as they can, too, they're like Agromax, so it's like World of Warcraft, you got a low, low level with you, the monster will go and kill him off first, but, um, uh, but once they're within, you know, a few levels, uh, they feel pretty effective, and they don't feel like you know, punching bags anymore. So it's been feeling like a pretty, pretty solid game. I, I'm really been enjoying it. I Glad to hear it. Yeah. Uh, our show, that's some retro gaming. Uh, Old Republic isn't really old enough to be retro gaming yet, though. The way that its price keeps going down, you think it was a retro game. Uh, speaking of, uh, let's do a little retro, retro, well, sort of retro game, sort of retro RPG news, a little combination of both. Uh, I mean... A lot of this stuff is really coming out on uh, on um, you know GOG a little bit on Steam. We got Divinity to the developers cut. Uh, that's uh, that's kind of old enough to be on our list. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> um, but um, it's fully updated. Divinity two, uh, Ego Draconis, and the expansion of Divinity two, Flames of Vigeance. 
and um, the developer mode lets you experience the game from a whole new perspective um, with additional developer's journey and uh, date journal and tons of nurse forcing concept art and all this other stuff and it's yeah go go knock yourselves out um, Divinity 2 was a was a pretty okay game you know it had its shortcomings but it it was pretty decent um, looking at the user ratings reviews though holy cow 4.5 out of 5 it's I mean, I'm used to like bad games get like a 3 or lower so I mean it's not a perfect score. Um, everything you know, good is between four and five stars. But um, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, Startopia. Did y'all ever play that? Such a cute little strategy. It's like Theme Hospital, as you can tell. I love Theme Hospital. Startopia is in that same vein. That's on GOG for five ninety nine now. Really cute little game. Ether Lords. We've talked about Heroes of Might and Magic. We've had the long debate whether or not it's an RPG and whether or not we're covering it. Who cares? But Heroes of Might and Magic. <laughs> You know, if you if you play that game and you've played Badge at the Gathering, Ether Lords is a marriage of those two. Uh, you are basically playing a hero. <sighs> yeah, it's like peanut butter and jelly coming together. Um, <laughs> Don't people, tell me that. Don't tell me that, no. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people haven't heard of it but because it, it didn't get a lot of press or anything when it came out. But um, it, it was actually a pretty, pretty cute little game. I bought it for my – I remember buying this for my original computer, and it wouldn't work. But I held on to the disc for so long till I got an upgraded computer, and it worked, and I played it. I loved it. So you play – and like, like Heroes of Might and Magic, you got a hero. He's got a castle usually, I think. Or is that the second one? Anyways, you got a castle. You're going to build it up by collecting resources. There are monsters in your way, and then somewhere is another enemy castle who's doing the same thing that you'll eventually want to take over. In Heroes of Might and Magic, when you run into an enemy or a neutral unit, you would go into a, a tactical you know battle, and then when you were done, your hero would gain experience points and level up. In the Aether Lords... Um, you got cards. Well, kind of like cards. They don't look like you know card cards, but they're they're they might as well be called cards because they're like Magic the Gathering spells. Uh, you can summon monsters. You can do interrupt effects or lightning bolts or whatever have you. So you, and you've got so much mana that grow your your ability to to earn mana grows every. Uh, every round of the game so eventually you're able to to build bigger and bigger monsters but you're going to try to collect the right cards to build a really good deck it's not the execution is a is a bit on the shallow side you're not going to get magic the level gathering or magic the gathering level of deep card play by any you know by any stretch but uh, there are some combos out there to be discovered and it will certainly you know bring back the memory of that game and what's really cool is that you're actually seeing your creatures uh, that you're summoning up as well as your avatar who I can't remember if he attacks or not but you actually see those um, on a 3D battlefield so hmm. yeah it's pretty cool and and you beat up the bad guys and you gain experience and you level up and you make your castle bigger So and there's a second one which I thought was a little better um, but they don't have that on GOG yet so hopefully they'll get that out there soon I think that one's actually on or the second one's on Origin uh, which hmm. I've actually got it on my wish list I just haven't gotten around to hitting the buy button I'm kind of hoping it comes on GOG because I'd rather have the GOG version of things uh, when at all possible. So, because I love no DRM. <laughs> so, hey, and it's and it's and, and Ether Lords is verified to work in Windows Seven. So, go knock yourself out, you Windows Seven people. What about Windows Eight? No, they haven't verified anything for eight yet. <laughs> Don't know why. <laughs> Yeah, I have to make sure the game works with the touchscreen. I guess I I don't know because I, I mean eight's pretty much the same architecture as seven, just a different interface, right? I, I don't even. Know. I don't know. Oh, well. Shows you what we know. Um, 
Yeah. And so, well, Mike already talked about his review. You talked about your review. I'm trying to remember if there was any other really cool, like, retro-y type of reviews especially. I mean, there was a review for Orcs or Men, which um, you have to read that. But long story short, not a super great game. Um, and that's more of a modern game. I'm trying to see if there was any – I don't think there was any other ones uh, recently. Pokemon White 2. I think the really the, the the big hotness that everyone's talking about, in sort of like retro style indie, is a Hotline Miami, but not an RPG. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know. I kind of looked at that. and was like, there's a lot of retro style kind of little game. A lot of indie games getting attention nowadays. A lot of retro style indie games getting attention. So is is Hotline Miami really hot? Uh, check out the Giant Bomb Quick Look. Is it I is think. it is it like FTL hot? Oh, that's the. Not that well. It's going to be because that soundtrack on Hotline Miami. It's hot. It's hot. It's hot. Hot. Yeah. We talked about that FTL before, and I know you guys talked about FTL at nauseum because that was the last podcast I was able to download from you guys. That's what made me go out and buy it. I blame Chris, and then I and then I made him jealous because I beat it in like my second attempt. <laughs> was oh, like, a, yeah, yeah. Was FTL, like, that's hot. That that's, like that's gameplay hot. But yeah, that's gameplay hot. Hotline Miami. That's, that's Mus- hot, man. Music hot. It's hot. It's music hot. Everything. No, you, style. It's just hot. It's, uh, just, hot, it's just hot. Okay. A game called Defenders Quest was like Tower Defense. It claims to be Tower Defense uh, RPG all in one. And it's using the 8-bit. Kind of, well, I wouldn't say it's 8-bit. No, it's like 16. 16-bit. I don't think they were purposely going for it. It looks more low budget than, ooh, we're really trying to you know make that retro style look. But uh, <laughs> pretty good review so far from Raiders. 4.5 from 26 users. So. Might be worth checking out. Wow, a lot of retro style stuff coming on GOG and Steam and holy cow, it's just coming out of the woodwork. Anyways, uh, if any of y'all, you know, the real, as many is kind of indicating, iPads a really great place for getting retro style, you know, RPGs because it's easy to develop for. I just, in fact, I just got Bard's Tale, the original, it's a, it's a port over of the PS1 version. I haven't had a chance to fire it up yet, but one of the reasons I went ahead and grabbed it is it not only has the, the very um, funny PlayStation 1 uh, um, uh, re-envisioning of the Bard's Tale classic game, but it has a classic game. It has like a, you know, it has like an emulation of a DOS game. One and it has two. All three. Three. Yeah, you're right. Three. One, two, three, the trilogy. So, yeah, you got, I mean, if you're in a retro game and there's just so many opportunities on the iPad because it is easy to develop and that's where you're going to make a lot of big bucks. And, you know, we talked about Avadon before and a, a and uh, and and there's you know and Cthulhu. Yeah, so go and check it out. And um, if any of y'all are playing really cool retro games on the iPad, there's not um, there's not enough time in the day for me to download and play them all. Um, maybe Manny can, but we would love to hear y'all. You know, tell us about them and write us an email and you know do an MP3 recording if you like. And I'd love to add it to the end of the show. Uh, whatever make you happy there. All right. Well, I think we kind of talked about a lot of stuff, so maybe we should. Yeah, I think this is the first episode in which the blast went longer than the main event. Yeah, <laughs> or the that's... the final lap. I mean, went went longer than the yes. main event. Let your people go. <laughs> Let my people Have free. And go to bed. Go Spend to bed. time with the wives. All right. So we'll do that by doing our official ending. Well, which next goes... next time, Phil. Oh, next time. Oh my God, I almost forgot the next time. Jeez, I was. Manny was rushing somebody, out the door. Somebody just requested this, in fact, and it's happening. We, yes, somebody recently on our boards, they pleaded. They actually showed up at our basement studios 
knocked on the door, opened up, and there they were pleading on the ground, doing the, please, Phil, do this, please. And I'm like, I'm not in charge. That's Mike's job. So then they had to get a plane it, ticket, and I don't know if they ever well, got you out know to you, Mike. You know what's fortunate? What's I didn't need to be pled with. I, need to be pled I, with. I already had this plan in mind. Yeah. It's like you were reading my mind reading in some minds. small respect. So I'm super excited because RPG Backtrack number 83, We Have Technology, is going to be about Xenogears. And we're going to follow, as if that isn't cool and awesome and massive enough, we're following that up in a couple of weeks with RPG Backtrack number 84. We're talking about 180 Stars on the Heavens. We're actually going to talk about the first three Suikoden games. So a lot, a lot of really cool, you know, awesome stuff coming up here on the RPG Backtrack. As we are, we are quickly closing in on the big one zero zero. Not that quickly. Yeah, don't, not that don't quickly. prematurely ages. No, the way you schedule us, it'll be like you know March. Whew, trying to kill me. I got two jobs now. All right. So, so you're saying you don't want to record one on Christmas? Is that it, Phil? I'm telling you, man. Holy cow. So let's uh, let's do this. Let's say RPG Backtrack is a production of RP Gamer, your source for RPG news, impressions, reviews, articles, and home to the best gaming community on the net. Write us your questions and comments on our boards, or email me at JC. I don't even know if my actually my email doesn't work. Let's maybe that's why I'm not actually getting no emails. I actually tested it the other day and it <laughs> it didn't work. So maybe for now, I should do JC Servant at CyberlightComics.com or so. That's a rather long email address. Yeah, but it's spelled pretty much like it sounds. Yeah, yeah. Or and you, you can get a hold of him if you email him at jcservant at cyberlightcomics.com. <laughs> or uh, jcservant, uh, I think it's three, is it 316 or 314 at gmail.com. Anyway, yeah, I got a couple of other email addresses, but I thought I had RP Gamer forwarded to Cyberlight, and then I was like, man, I never get an email from anybody. And uh, uh, yeah, and I check it every few few months, but yeah, now I've locked myself out because my password was incorrect or something. I don't know. Anyways, uh, don't forget to just go to our boards. Seriously, we, we check those all the time. So it's really easy to sign up. And there's – and you know what? Uh, I mean a big hand to, to you, our audience. We've had an, a number of people in the last couple of months that have just gone on and, yeah, and said, hey, I never post here on this board, but I'm posting here for RPG Bagtrack to say thank you or, hey, can you do this show? Hey, can – you know, we love those types of comments. So please uh, definitely stop by our boards at board.rpgamer.com and uh, leave some of your comments. Um, you can also follow us on twitter.com slash rpgamer or become our biggest fans at facebook.com slash rpgamer. Um, as always, listen to our growing library of our previous podcast or and or listen to our awesome sister show, RPG Cast, all over at rpgamer.com. Mr. Mike, put us to bed. Well, I was going to make a horrible, horrible pun about Nirvana and uh, listening to something from Never mind, but you know, you know, everybody already made that connection in their minds. I don't need to do it for you, and that's really the only thing I can say because not having played the Digital Devil sagas, I am not qualified nearly as well as Manny and Sam were to discuss them. And so I'm going to leave you good night. Bye.